put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. Look, I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Paraguayan, how are you? Now the most important question is, how are you? A week later, a week, another week of healing. You know what, I gotta tell you. Right now, the biggest thing on my mind is that my wife is really pissed off at me. Well, that's good. I'll tell you why that's good. Because you've gotten back to a, a level of normalcy to where she's she thinks you're going to be okay. If she no. thought that... Well, if she thought you were going to be in danger, she wouldn't be mad at you, right? No, here's... That's my spin. Here's what happened. Like about 10 minutes before we're going on air, you send me a message. I should be on time and so forth. And I had like a little bit of a marijuana cigarette here in the ashtray. I said, wow, I haven't smoked in a couple of weeks or whatever it's been. And so I lit it up. I took a puff and I put it down. And so I went upstairs to get some water. And she's like, did you smoke downstairs? And well, man, she got so pissed. I had to yell at her saying, I'm going to go on the air in five minutes. Do we really want to have this fight now? <laughs> but doesn't weed make you feel better? Yeah, it's supposedly good for, you know, uh, anxiety, which I tend to suffer from, you know, from time to time. But uh, it's not good for your lungs and your vascular system, which is oh my problem. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, no, not being a weed guy, I didn't know that. So yeah, it's any kind of smoking. And in, in fact, the uh, cardiologist at the hospital when I, when I went in, she said it's not the marijuana; it's this thing. You're you're inhaling these fumes when you when you are smoking from a pipe or a. What about like an edible or something then? 
Yeah, I, I, and I've thought about that, but edibles are so unpredictable. You take you take one and you don't know. It's it's not like a marijuana cigarette. You could take a puff, okay, I know. You take an edible, and then two hours later, you're still feeling it, and then all of a sudden, it hits you, you know? And then you're uh, waving your sore arm in the air. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you're like, what have I done? Yep. The other thing I want to announce is my hand is getting better, but it's still not at the point where I feel really comfortable masturbating. So <laughs> but you're lefty anyway. Yeah, I but, am lefty, but how do I hold the pornographic material? <laughs> you, know, I need uh, be, you know, seriously, back, not to get into a huge sex story, because we're talking bears tonight, but like I got it for the first time when I was 14, you know, twice and didn't get it again until I was 16. And that was a long two years in between. And what I would do a lot of times during that duration was I'm right-handed. So I would beat off left-handed and pretend it was a girl doing it because they kind of don't know what they're doing. So it's just like, you know, you could pretend that it was a woman doing it when you couldn't get with a woman. That's hilarious. That's true. My left hand is useless. I, I can't do much with it. I got to isolate that. You know, uh, I, I had a, a, a relaxing time this afternoon grabbing sound bites for us to react to. And then I came to Robert Tunyon when he was asked the question, uh, how have you and PJ Walker, you know, have you given him advice and stuff? He injected this into his response. The other day we were doing like, you know, tubs and sauna together. <laughs> When you get into town next week, you and I are going to do tubs and sauna together. <laughs> Man, I had a friend from Finland. He uh, moved to he moved to Seattle, so I never saw him again. He was a policeman locally, but he was always saying, "Oh shit, man, over in Europe, that's what we do." I don't know why I made him sound like more like Phil, but he was like he, a European accent. It was strange. He always joked and said he sounded like the guy from the Human Centipede, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but he was always like, yeah, it's nothing for me and my friends to get naked and go to the sauna together. I was like, wow, that's not really a part of my culture here. It's not on my radar. Yeah. When I, when I grew up in the Humble Park area. When I moved in in the late 60s, it was still predominantly uh, Eastern European. And they used to have a very popular uh, Turkish bath on North Avenue. And as a kid, you, you always wonder, you know, I've seen like, a, a scene of it in a movie and stuff but i wonder what it's like really inside and people would tell me ah it's just all, all bums nowadays it's not like it was in the 50s and stuff but i still wanted like to sneak in and see it for myself a turkish bath a turkish sauna with all the steam and big fat guys you know with big noses sitting down and, and getting a steam uh to me I, I found it fascinating clearly you don't <laughs> you know the the kennedy brothers uh, that's how they they kept their weight off because they drank a lot. You know they they were slaying some, you know some yeah. of the people. I'm just gonna say it, they were getting a lot of pussy. Let's be honest. Yeah. And so they were drinking a lot. So reportedly that's what Bobby and Jack would do after a heavy night of drinking. They'd go in that steam room for like two hours and sweat out all that alcohol mm. so they wouldn't gain any weight. Yeah, that's the way it was back then. Tubs and sauna, man. When you get in town. <laughs> Hey, I'm just glad that you're you're excited about me coming. You know, the, uh, a few weeks ago, I was worried. You know that man, I, he may not be able to to hang around me at all. He might not be well enough. So I'm glad that that you're. I mean, you're back. You know, you're not a hundred percent. You're kind of like, 
you know, who's somebody that's uh, you're you're Tevin Jenkins now. You you know you're gonna <laughs> you know, right. go to the tomorrow, but we expect you back in four weeks. That's a good analogy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jordan, uh, clearly, I knew. Yes, you, thanks for pointing out. Jordan uh, uh, said something about Travis. Travis Gibson today uh, tweeted out, thank you, Bears fans, blah, blah, blah. And then the second tweet was, by the way, I did not ask for a trade request. God. And so Jordan said, you know, that's a great way to, you know. Yeah, I forgot what Jordan said, but I said, you know, I don't think I don't think he was sticking it to the Bears when Travis said that. I think he was either sticking it to Jeremy Fowler or just trying to let his fans know that he really didn't ask for this or, or, or whatever. And so Jordan thought my response to him was that I was angry or something, but not at all, Jordan. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Forget the tr all that because that's going to be another one of those Bears things, you know, like uh, just in why didn't – Roquan to play for the Minnesota game in the Minnesota game. We'll never know. It's just it's one of those history of mysteries kind of thing. But gotta get Jeff Perlman on the caper. <laughs> exactly. But didn't 99 play well enough to where you would say, okay, we're not cutting you? Why yeah. why do you have to why cut him? Like is he that upset that he's insisting on a play a chance to start somewhere? Well, wouldn't you just say, look, we have your rights this year, you've earned a spot, we need you? Well, let's listen to Alan Williams, defensive coordinator of Chicago Bears. This was yesterday. He was asked, how this, th does this process go about when choosing who to cut? What goes into that? And really, it's just what you said, a full evaluation, um, evaluating OTAs, evaluating how they do in practice, evaluate how they do in the, um, uh, in the preseason games, who they go against, who they go against in practice. Uh, where their production comes from. Is it first, second, third down? Uh, who's across from when they have that production? Uh, is it, hey, right now, is it hey, a um, uh, production that's hey, a hustle production, or did they beat a guy right now and how good that guy was? So, And it's cumulative. Um, how consistent are they with uh, that part of it and their other assignments? So it's a it's a full evaluation. We we just don't go, hey, sack, 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 or tackle, tackle, tackle. We dive into uh, that production, see what it looks like, and and make decisions. Uh, what's best for the unit? What's best for the team? Wow. Sounds sounds to me like Gibson might be a dick. <laughs> the coaches don't like him. Or they're like, you're only beating the third team guys out there. Yeah. You're not doing anything, Gibson. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. And, you know, he maybe doesn't have that attitude. Now, somebody, uh, and we'll talk about this on Greg Gabriel uh, Talks Football tomorrow at 3 p.m. We're going to look at the practice squad players and so forth. And we'll get to all the roster cutdowns today in just a moment. But tomorrow, um, I'm going to ask Greg, uh, because he might have gotten some reliable information about Gibson's attitude and about, uh, you know, uh, does Gibson think more of himself than the coaches think of him? Is he kind of uh, not prima donna, but very egocentric, perhaps? So I'll talk to Greg about that because that's some information that may have come down the pipe. That we'll you you almost have to be about yourself to a certain extent, though. If you don't believe in yourself, then you're not going to make it anyway. So it's a catch-22. 
Right. And I just think it, it might depend on how you express that, but you're absolutely right. You got to believe you're the best. Now, you just started your high school football highlight show on Friday, and you oh, clearly yeah. are one of the best. You've won an award for that show five of the six years. Seven yeah. of the last eight. So, <laughs> sorry, I just I just had a day off. You, you smoked weed. It's okay. No, but it's, right. just, it's just West Virginia. It's not anything that big, but for locally, I put a lot of effort into it. Yes. Yeah. So do you ever, you know, carry yourself in a way where, you know, station management says, man, this guy's really fucking in love with himself. No, because I'm always afraid that if I don't put the effort in this year, I'm not going to win this year or something. Mm -hmm. And, and this year is the first time I've had a guy with me mm -hmm. and he's young. He's, you know, wanted a break in broadcasting. He's driving two hours just to work with me. Mm -hmm. And he's never been on air before. And last Friday was our first shift together. And I think for a first shift, we did fine. But overall, in the scheme of things, I'm still worried about how to implement him. What makes it, what's it, how's the show going to improve with him and how to make him shine? So I'm worried about that cohesion. As you know, when we started working together, you know, you just come off the other show. It's, it, it takes time. So I think the hit, he's good for me right now in the sense the way you thought Nomad and, and Dan would be for us earlier in the year because you just don't want to get stale. Right, right. Well, you're, you know, I've listened to the tapes that you've, probably three of the tapes that you submitted for nomination for the awards, and they were just freaking outstanding, man. Really good Thank stuff. Thank you, man. I put a lot of heart into it. I've already, I've already broken down six of 16 matchups, and it's only Tuesday. And as you see, I write them out like it could have been on a – like a teleprompter, but then I, I write it intentionally like an English paper so that mm -hmm. I can't read it. I, Cause you don't read it on air the way you would write a paper, but that keeps yeah. me focused too. That's, that's my style. I, I once read an article uh, about that. A good way to learn is to write out everything that you were taught at the lecture or, or whatever. And it helps you retain that information. Absolutely. Yeah. 100% agreed. It, it makes you, you might be like, who's that coach again? But after you write it a few times, you're like, oh, okay, I know him. He used to coach here and his dad coached there. And you, like you said, you retain it that way. Yep. All right. Before we get to the cutdowns, I do want to talk about a particular topic uh, that actually Dan made me think about throughout since, since he texted me on, on Sunday about it. Dan told me that he was concerned about the Chicago Bears, and he doesn't oh, yeah. remember coming into a season that, with this type of concern. I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said. Why don't you take it from there, Dan? I had a bunch of negativity last night, but it wasn't negativity to be negativity. It was my own angst. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people immediately are going to shout and say, it's just the preseason. What are you talking about, Dan? You're, you're a meathead, you know. Look, man, if I drove my car to Illinois and I said, I'm packing up my stuff and I'm going there because I'm a Bears fan and I've had it here. And I, on the way, I'm like, I don't care what happens. I don't care if the car starts to overheat. I'm going to Illinois and that's all that matters. You have to acknowledge your stimuli and the variables along the way. So the preseason, albeit not the Super Bowl, is something that you have to judge along the way. It might be your your studying for your SAT test, somewhere along the lines. I made the analogy last night, like NASCAR. They worked the whole offseason to get that car ready for the first race to Daytona, and they're ready to go. Back when, say, Ditka was coach, 
the preseason was used as a tool to get you in shape and to have you firing on all cylinders in week one. In today's culture, we get to week one and we're just trying to figure it out because the players haven't played together. Uh, they've only th- the fields has thrown like six passes. Uh, the line hasn't played together. The safeties weren't playing. So yeah, I'm worried, man, because the defense I know is just a preseason game. They did what they always do. It doesn't matter if it's Khalil Mack. They give up a touchdown seemingly in the first drive of the game to if they're playing the 08 Lions or the 72 Dolphins. They're, they always give up a touchdown. They did it again. Fields comes out doing the same stuff, apparently not getting the right read, holding the ball too much, getting hit. And then the line's always in flux, always in flux with this team. So I felt like they had an entire summer to get ready for Green Bay, and it feels like it's the same old shit. Now, that doesn't mean they can't come out and beat Green Bay, and I desperately want them to. However, if those were tests, if those three games were tested in the offseason, they failed those tests. They did. I know Fields threw the two screens for scores in the first game, and we loved that. But And he didn't even play the second game. And then he looked bad Saturday. He did. He looked bad. I would have taken him out after he got hit, too, by the way. And that was good for Bajan to have to come in on short notice. Hey, get in there. Fields is down. I'm thank God he wasn't hurt. But do you have any concern with me like that at all? Uh, it's got to matter a little bit, right? I know it's not the regular season. It's not the playoffs. But it's it's along the way a test to help you get ready for the Packers. I think what you expressed there was very eloquent, and there's a lot of people in the chat room who are agreeing with you that they have very similar takes and concerns. Um, by the way, uh, John Santucci is now going to take over the uh, chat room. So if you see a comment from the Barroom Network, it is John. He is backstage. He will be doing Bear State of Affairs in about 30 to 45 minutes. But I totally agree with you. And what was so concerning to me was the performance of Justin Fields on Saturday. Now, I understand they were playing vanilla, but I watch, you know, the coaches, uh, the QB school, J.T. O'Sullivan, uh, former NFL quarterback. This is an outstanding YouTube uh, and uh, Patreon page look at all of the quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's not absolutely perfect because he will admit this himself, that he doesn't know what the coaches is calling. He doesn't know what was taught to this player. Should he go this way or that way or whatever? But there are some things that he listed in his last video, an 18-minute video on YouTube, that when you look at, I immediately thought of you. Check this out. Next one here, third and 11. This one's rough. I don't know what we're doing here. Middle field open. We've got someone running to the middle of the field. It's open. We have to throw that. There's no reason to bail. The protection is good. We've got seven-person protection. It's open, open. And we, we have to throw this ball down the middle of the field. Why are we going? Why are we leaving? Where are we going? I get it. He's a dynamic athlete. He can go get it himself. It's third and forever. It's the preseason. The guy is open down the field. I like the fact that you get out of bound, protect yourself, but come on. Again, watch the slot down here to the bottom. I mean, you're not gonna get <laughs> you're not going to get a more open look than this in the NFL. Forget about the scheme. I know people are criticizing Luke Getzi, and we'll get to that in, in a minute. But that is the same shit that happened last year. I remember watching a tape of Kurt Warner saying, and I said it by said it on this show. Uh, 
uh, what, what was the expression now? I forgot. Um, uh, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw right, the ball. Right. Replay after replay, you know, that all 22 angle, throw the ball, throw the guy's there. This is not college where he's going to be this open. He's going to be this open. Throw the ball, throw the ball. That's what we saw against the Colts. Forget about the, again, the scheme and why, you know, they were calling vanilla off. That we'll talk about later, but that is what worries me about Justin Fields. And I love Justin Fields. Look at, I got a fucking, I made that fucking picture of him over there and I got pictures of him throughout. And one of my prized possessions is a Jersey that Dan Aguirre bought for me. I have nothing, nothing, nothing but hope and prayers that Justin Fields is going to finally be that franchise quarterback, please. But Tyson Bajan has looked better this preseason. I know it was against the threes. I know it was against the twos. But he's looked better. Imagine how he might look with DJ Moore, with Chase Claypool, with Darnell Mooney. We We won't get to see it unless Justin Fields gets an injury, and I don't want that to happen. But I am curious about how this young stud who looks like he's got all of the fucking mechanics down, uh, awareness, leadership abilities, how could how might he compare against Justin Fields? Because I'm seeing the same mistakes that I saw last year with Justin Fields and in his rookie year. Yeah, I, I am a Fields fanatic. I think I've, I've got four jerseys. I always say that because I don't want people to think that I'm – you know, one of these guys that thinks Bajan should start week one, that to me, I'm not that. I'm not saying that's crazy, but I disagree with it. I'm not saying you're saying that either. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to criticize your quarterback. Of course. We're not supposed to just sit here and, like, lick his ass, you know? So <laughs> I'm concerned because the whole team looked the same as they did last year. And there have been upgrades all around. I know people were hurt. People were out. But the team looked the same flat. (laughs) They were flat coming out like they always are. Going Mm -hmm. back like four coaches now. It feels like we have never – like when we were in Cleveland together, we were like, why are the Bears just kind of standing around? The Browns are firing off the ball and beating the shit out of each other in the pregame. The Bears are just kind of standing there. You're like – you pointed out, you're like, boy, don't they look flat. And that carried over into the game immediately. It's just like, what are they doing? Now, someone will say, "You, you weren't there. You weren't in camp. You don't know what you're talking about. All of that's true. But we can still watch the tape. We're told it doesn't lie. So we watched the game live. And you saw what you saw. Like, again, there's no improvement. And that's something to stress about. I'm sorry it is. It's. I, I was worried about the Packers anyway. I didn't understand where all these Bear fans were, like, poking their chest out saying, we're going to win by 30 on opening day. But like now I'm even more worried because we're going to have a line that hasn't played together the whole summer. Davis hasn't played the whole summer. I mean, how much stamina could he have? You got Braxton Jones still out there the whole time. (laughs) Motherfucker's a man. You're going to have a left. You think you have white hair. You think you have Patrick. It might be the, the guy they just drafted. You may have Davis and you may have the rookie who's come overcoming an ankle. So you got a line that's trying to figure it out. You got safeties that haven't played. You got linebackers that haven't played together. Who's to say they're going to be in have synchronicity, synchronicity against the Packers? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. These are all legitimate concerns. I'm actually very, very proud of you, Dan, 
because I, you know, I've, I, I, you are always questioning the Bears, and I think it's, it's, it's excellent that you do. I, I for, for instance, I wouldn't want to do this show with you if you were always agreeing with me. That's that wouldn't be fun. We have to disagree, you know, as long as we do it respectfully. And sometimes, of course, you you are uh, your your criticisms of the Bears rub me the wrong way because I don't think that you're giving the player in question time to grow. You know, you don't acquire a player and expect the guy to play great right away. And so, for instance, with Cole Komet, you and I disagreed on that. Please give him time. Give him time. And so I got to the point where You're finally, right. well, hopefully, right, <laughs> for year four could be a disaster. And then I'll be saying you were right. So, uh, but I, I love the fact that how you are questioning, how you are expressing this uh, concern about the team, I think, is right on. Now, regarding uh, in, in that tape, the quarterback schools tape, J.T. O'Sullivan, again, he does excellent, excellent work. Guy he played Scott. where Favre played, I think. Yeah, right. He played with the Packers. He no, 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 I meant the same college. That oh, college of uh, Mississippi, wasn't it Mississippi? Yeah, I think he's from down there. Like, I think okay. he played replaced Favre in, in college there. But go ahead, go ahead. What, what pro team did he play for? Was it New Orleans? I think he went around. He may have bounced around a little bit, but I think he played. I think he was the guy that replaced Favre at that school. Ah, okay. All right. So he in that eighteen minute tape that's posted on YouTube at the quarterback school, you will see him being critical of Luke Getzey. I thought it was a little bit unfair, uh, but uh, because you know it's you always you're always calling a vanilla offense in preseason. You don't want to give anything away. You're two weeks away from playing the Packers. You're not gonna you start. Does that piss you off too? I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought. That's no, right. Again, if this, I know it's two different eras, but if this, even if it, we weren't exactly a jog a juggernaut when Greg Landry was our OC, but <laughs> the Bears at least. Look, everyone's going to see your offense by week two anyway, right? Mm -hmm. It's on film because you're going to run everything you can against Green Bay. Then why not just play your your normal offense in the preseason and try to get rhythm and say, the heck with it. If they see it on tape, fuck it. We're going to try to stop it because we're going to execute better than you because we're trying right now in the preseason because this matters. And come week one, the car's ready to run on that track instead of like, oh, we're just putting on tires and I, I'm using this the racing analogy, but to me, they shouldn't do the vanilla thing. Just run your offense and don't worry about other people seeing your plays. Have your guys execute better than them. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why that that's happening because they put much more emphasis on what happens in practice. Those two practice uh, sessions they had with the Colts, that was the most important you uh, evaluation tool and, and practice tool that the Bears have done all preseason, even be- more better than anything they did in the OTAs or leading up to training camp, because they really valued that much more than when, you know, Ditka was coach. The, it, it it is they don't want to put their players in harm's way, which is why they reduce the amount of snaps that they play, and they are hypersensitive. I mean, they, they, they stopped Greg Braggs from videotaping at that late force, uh, those videos, because they were so concerned that the play would get out there and that there would be Mike McCarthy, head coach of the 
Green Bay Packers studying the play that Greg Bragg shot. It's become so conservative now, so and the you're so right but the irony is the plays they're going to call we've all seen anyway that bubble screen Mm -hmm. to mooney which will be dj moore now you know but they're going to call that they're going to do that end around they ran it constantly with webster you're going to see that you're going to have little mooney running the end around even though we shouldn't have him taking unnecessary shots but they're going to run the same plays they've been running is my point you're absolutely right. They're going to run those very same plays. The blocking schemes on those on those wide receiver screens are not going to change. It's going to be the same. You know, and maybe Jordan, who knows a lot more about the technical aspects of football, can comment on that. Those bubble screens, the blocking is the same in uh, April when they install it to the preseason game, and it will be in week 13 of the NFL season. So anyway, I just want him to fucking hit the open man. I want him and Jordan again said something right on, hit the nail right on the head. That it's just not the throws. I should have saved it. Did I save it? Uh, no, it's just not the throws. It's the lack of anticipatory throws, and and that's the weird thing because at Ohio State now you know guys were a little bit more open, but he was anticipating things on the field, uh, uh, processing them a lot faster than he is with the Bears. I just, my heart's going to sink. Oops. My heart's going to sink on uh, Sunday if he play, he has all the same mistakes that he had in 2022. It's going to sink. Adel Branovich says that he's, he's unable to read the offense beyond mm-hmm. the first two men. He's like, he's no better than Trubisky. And learning how to go to his third or fourth man. If someone, he's like, if, if for some reason the first man isn't open, he's just going to take off running because that's all he can do. Now, yeah. do I agree with that? No, but Ed's a world champion. Mm. Ed's a Chicago Bear Hall of Famer. His value, his opinion has to be valued. Absolutely. I can, I'm concerned. I feel like for my whole life, Aldo, I've been making excuses for the Bears quarterback. <laughs> you know, we we can't. Like whenever Jim McMahon was playing and Tom Zach would win, I'd be like, oh, we got to get Jim back in there. It didn't even feel as meaningful, and no offense to Mike. And then, oh, Steve Walsh is winning? Well, I want Kramer in there. Josh mm-hmm. McCown's winning? I want Jay Cutler in there. And I was always saying, like, well, Jay's footwork is getting it's getting better. He's going to quit throwing off his back foot and all this. And he never did. He never did. I, I love Jay, but it's not like he ever, like, improved beyond what we saw. Rex, yeah. I, I don't want Kyle Orton out there. I've got to have Rex out there. I don't want to do that now. If Fields doesn't get the job done, I don't care if it's Tyson Bajant or Nathan Peterman or some other veteran that they talked about today or this vague veteran could be. If we win, we win. I want to be happy with it. I want mm-hmm. Justin to improve and be everything that he's projected to be. But if he's not, I, I don't want to die on the sword this time. Like I felt like I died with Cutler each each week. Whenever he whenever he didn't excel, like a little part of me died every week. You know, <laughs> if Fields doesn't have it, 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 we gave up on Mitch really quickly. Mm-hmm. Then the heck with it. Yeah, I, I want him to be the guy, but if he's not, he's not. I just exactly. want to win. Exactly. Uh, this is this is a critical critical year. Now, uh, J.T. O'Sullivan was critical of Luke Getzey and, and that same videotape. And so Robert Tunyon addressed, you know, how the offense has looked in these preseason games. And this is going to be of great interest to you, uh, Dan. 
he addressed how that offense has looked and why. When you're when you get in the season, you're game planning to win. I mean, as weird as it sounds, like you're just running base stuff in the preseason, and you're not like, I mean, yeah, you're trying to win with the plays you're running, but you're not like scheming up to be successful and win the game and so on. So, I think you'll see a lot more of you know uh, the creation and the creative side of you know Luke and. You'll get to see Justin be more of a that playmaker that he is, and you know the weapons that we went out and got in the off season are going to be able to make plays and go out and show themselves. I think the most that any of the starters was playing was like fifteen to twenty plays. So, and those guys are going to be playing, you know, fifty to sixty. So, I think just as we get moving on and the more plays that we play, players are around each other more. We'll just ascend i take umbrage with that okay please go ahead because that's what and i was going to ask you because if we okay you love Mahomes, right mm-hmm. if we were in kansas city right now and they said you know what we're not really running any plays we don't want to risk getting Mahomes hurt he's just going to sit on the sidelines until september 10th or whatever day he's playing i'd play well fuck he's earned it he's shown that he can do that he can turn it on. He can turn it off whenever damn well he pleases. Okay. This team was 3-14. and 14. Three wins and 14 losses. They've shown nothing on the field or coaches to give you confidence to think they can just turn it on whenever they want to. So for them to say, and I like Tanya, maybe he's talking about himself and not making that stupid little drop, half-assed effort that he had there in the flat. <laughs> He just doesn't look right wearing 18 either. He's a tight end, man. He looks like a little wide receiver. Give him 88, for God's sake. But, <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind it, but go ahead, please. Oh, I don't like it. But, yeah, but I just don't think a team that has everything to prove can suddenly just be like, oh, we're not really trying this summer, but we'll be okay September 10th. Yeah, and I don't think he is necessarily saying that. He's just saying – the play calling was vanilla on purpose that you're going to see Luke gets his creativity. Now he's, he's concerned. I've seen probably a dozen player interviews over the last two weeks. The players are concerned that, you know, there's been so many injuries and that the offensive line is in the condition that it is. And that Tremaine Edmonds, who was it that was talking today, um, uh, uh, one of the linebackers and, uh, and or defensive lineman and was saying, uh, oh, it was uh, Billings. Andrew Billings said that he, he, you know, it really hurt not having Tremaine Edmonds in practice calling out the different auto defensive audibles so that he could hear that voice so that he could see and recognize why he's doing it and do and, and not doing it and his cadence because sometimes the crowd is so loud that if he calls out a defensive signal and 80 percent of it is drowned out by the noise he could still make out what uh, Edmonds is saying because he's gotten used to the cadence the cadence he talked about how important that is and the Bears don't have that. And so your concerns about going into week one, I buy because there just has not been that cohesion, that chemistry, even in practice. Uh, forget the games. In practice, that's important to be able to work with one another and talk about it afterwards. But the guy is, is fucking in the tubs and sauna. <laughs> I mean, and I, I got to have that ready. <laughs> this is... 
the admit admittedly the meatball in me i guess because that's mm -hmm. the term everybody uses now in vogue is that you're a meatball fan but i keep making this nascar analogy i week one against green bay to me equals the daytona 500 this isn't just another game this game represents you know 30 years of being dominated by this one team Here's your chance to grab a hold of that rivalry and, and start anew. You can't treat it like it's just, ah, it's the fourth preseason game, and if we don't win it, we'll be okay. We've got say, 16 other games. Like, this one's important, man. It's it, I want them to fucking feel it. Like, I know George McCaskey feels it. I know Virginia feels it. They hate it as much as we do losing to them. But it seems like since Lovey was here – none of the coaches that we have after that really give a shit or care about the rivalry and that bothers me. They need to, they need to win, man. Yep. And, you know, it bothers me that they, you know, are not comfortable talking shit about the backers leading up to the game. You know, that, you know, Kyler Gordon was asked about Jordan love and he was respectful. You know, I don't really have much to say about him and so forth. I, I, I can't wait can't wait to get back to the 85 Bears days when Steve McMichael was saying Green Bay sucks at a press conference and just there was so much confidence and bravado and testosterone and big ballism that I, I want that from my home team. I don't like If Mongo team. makes it to the hall mm -hmm. physically, if he's there, he'll probably say something on his deathbed there about Green Bay He'll be like, and the Packers still can eat my ass or whatever. <laughs> they still say something like that. And he's riddled with, with Lou Gehrig's disease and he's a hundred pounds now. And he still feels that way. Right. You By know, the way, so you, got, you, you got a response from somebody, uh, was it Dan Pompey about McMichael's condition? Yes. I asked Dan because he talked about it after the show last week. I mean, we were concerned, like, does Mongo really know? Is he cognizant of what's happening? And Dan Pompey said, yes, he's completely aware of what's going on, and he's ex extremely excited. Good. Good. All right. That's great. Um, all right. I want to do this. Uh, Tooch is going to join us in about 20 minutes, and the media mashup is actually 20 minutes long. So let's play that. And then uh, Tooch will, uh, around that time, immediately after or a few minutes afterwards, we'll come in and do State of the Affairs, and then we'll talk about all the cuts and, and blah, blah, blah. So here comes a media mashup for August 29th. Kind of interesting that you're trading a draft pick at this point in the season to secure someone that can line up for your team. Well... They, um, you know, they've, they've got some pretty good picks already in place for next season. So you talk about, uh, you know, a day three pick to get a guy that uh, can come in and help you out. And and I can understand that. I can understand that move. I think people were wondering if that type of move was going to be necessary based on kind of where they're at um, with with depth on the offensive line and, and they had to make a decision and that's okay. Do they uh, pull the trigger uh, on a move here when uh, another team could potentially uh, be in place to trade for Feeney or uh, once Feeney is cut, because that's the way it looked like it was headed in Miami, he becomes a free agent being number one in the waiver wire doesn't do you any good for Dan Feeney because he's a vested veteran. So 
at that point, uh, you've got a and he's a hometown guy. Maybe maybe you you win that easily if there's a couple teams involved. A Sandberg graduate uh, before he went on to play at Indiana, but um, money could be involved then too. So I think it, it clearly a guy that they feel can help them out uh, because they make a move for a trade when they could have looked at you know a solid dozen linemen. Uh, later today uh, after cuts of all the teams are released. Brad, what does this say about the Bears' belief that maybe Tevin Jenkins is going to be out for a while, maybe a lack of confidence that Lucas Patrick will stay healthy, or maybe even Nate Davis? And do you expect Dan Feeney to be starting week one? No, I think uh, think they'll probably have Lucas Patrick out there week one. And uh, and Nate Davis and and Patrick at center, obviously Cody Whitehair shifted over to left guard, and uh, Nate Davis should be in place at right guard. I would I would think if you had to ask me right now what it's going to look like against the Packers on September 10th, that's how I would go. Uh, what does it say that, that they go out and and get Feeney? Well, they they want a guy that can play guard and center, and and he's got more. Uh, more of a track record, I believe, playing guard, but he does have uh, regular season experience as a center, and and so it tells you they they felt like uh, you know they needed that piece, and and maybe for a couple reasons, the Jenkins situation, uh, Lucas Patrick, uh, while I think he's going to start week one, was banged up some last year. He's, he's been had some minor issues here in training camp, so I think they're trying to cover themselves. Uh, a little bit, and uh, and again, they're not going to give up a draft pick unless it's the guy they feel uh, can come in and help them out. And uh, you know, he's he's making about three point two five million this year, but uh, about two thirds of that swallowed up in a signing bonus that Miami paid. So uh, that's a positive uh, for the Bears uh, as well. I don't really care about the trade. I have a bigger picture question that stems off of it. The Bears gave up a sixth-round pick for veteran interior offensive lineman Dan Feeney. They have to shore up some of the depth at guard with the Tevin Jenkins injury. He can play both guard positions and center. Mm -hmm. If you look around the league, though, teams are scrambling, giving up draft assets for Let's say bad offensive lineman. Bill Belichick sent a fourth-round pick for Tyrone Wheatley Jr., who has never played an NFL game. He also sent assets to acquire Vidarian Lowe, who was a rookie last year and played all the 33 snaps. When you see teams scrambling, desperate, giving up assets to get offensive linemen who, frankly, can't play, shot or no shot, the Bears made a mistake straight up cutting Alex Leatherwood. It's a shot to me. Because, here's why, Cap. You and I were sit, uh, standing side by side in camp watching Leatherwood, mm-hmm. and you remarked to me, boy, he seems like he's slimmed down and a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. All I know is as a college football fan, and anyone who watched him, that he was just a, an animal. He was a mauler. And I know it didn't work out with the Raiders, and I thought that he was turning things around. That's all the things that we were hearing, that he was turning things around. Boy, let me tell you, a team that is in need for offensive linemen, Leatherwood must have been really underwhelming for him to be cut when you needed bodies. Especially with the financial commitment you had in him. For them to let him go, and again, they could bring him back after they pare the roster down. Sure. 
But when you let him go and he's already been released in a year by a team that spent a number one pick, who are we to sit here and say they made a mistake? They're in the meetings with him. They're evaluating him every day at training camp. I just went. I just went with the positive stuff that we were hearing about him and what we saw from him in camp, and thought maybe this is a turnaround for him. At least get a spot on the roster. He must have been really brutal. He must have been, or they have a plan to bring him back after he clears waivers. We'll find out. Listen, I don't think he's coming back. Yeah, but no, I'm. Did I mistake? They're eating something like five million in dead cap to have cut him too. Yeah, yeah. Here's one thing about that polls. He didn't care about that money. He doesn't care about, like, hey, you know, if I'm going to cut a guy, if it's going to cost, it's going to hurt, but we got to do it. So Same I'm, with P.J. Walker. Two million bucks. Here you go. Get out. I, I, will not, I can't speak for the Bears from their standpoint. I will just speak on based on what I saw and what I read about Leatherwood and that I thought that he could still make this football team. He must have been really horrible for them to cut him when they are in need of bodies. That's, when, that's my thought on it. I just wonder when you see teams really getting desperate to get guys on their O-line, could you have gotten an asset instead of cutting him? No. Either way, you eat the money. And No, nobody was trading for him. I just thought he's going to make the team. I didn't say start. I just thought he'd be, be on the roster. Guess not. Yeah, I will ride or die with Ryan Poles on this one, for sure. Uh, the play of our middle two defensive guys is getting a little bit better. Dexter and Pickens. Dexter and Pickens, yeah. It's my focus. It's you gonna think be a so year, with Dexter? It's going to be a year-long project. Pickens, yeah. Pickens. Yep. Pickens was in there a couple of times. Yep. But Dexter, I think he's, uh, it is going to be a project. Pickens. Is it, how long, Yerk, is that going? It's going to be the whole year. To teach him it's the whole that year. whole upright. He's so upright. The whole year. I don't really? like his stance. It's a, there's a lot of things I don't like about him. But he's at least getting off the ball well. You know, he was a second late, half second late in the, in the first game. He's getting off the ball well. He's recognizing, I don't like how long he is in his stance. And when he's when you're long in the stance, sometimes you've got to be able to work on a 45, and he's not working on a 45 very well right now. So 45 degrees, left or right, either okay. way, is the way that you're going to have to move. So, you know, there's just a couple things that I, I don't like right now, but he's getting better. He's getting better. He's getting better. And remember, it's going to take a while to get that crappy defense he played in Florida out of them. And uh, it's going to be a year-long process. If you look around the year league... Year-long. If, if you look around the league, a lot of the best younger defensive tackles right now, like Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, Quinn and Williams, they all got off to really slow starts to their yep. careers and then just blew up by year like, I think, three. I is think that, you, why you, is that? You can count on one hand the defensive tackles that have been able to come in the league and, and kind of explode. And those guys are... Uh, Cortez Kennedy, who was good right away. Warren Sapp, good right away. Even Bryant Young and Dana Stubblefield, two guys, took a little bit of time to get accustomed to the position. Leroy Glover took some time to get accustomed to the position. Uh, Donkey Kong Sue, the kid up in Detroit, was a force to be reckoned with early. But like two years in, then became a much more dominant player. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Albert Hainsworth was another one of those guys that uh, took about a year and then started becoming a dynamo. The the guys that took a little bit of time, the two best that I can offer you is John Henderson and Marcus Stroud for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the uh, in the aughts, in like 2003, 2004 with Jacksonville. Those two were the best two defensive tackles they ever had, and they were a combination together for the better part of eight or nine years. But why does it take that long? 
because it's not easy. It's a position that you don't get to play by sight. Once they snap the ball, playing the position by sight is gone. you got to play the position by feel and experience. That's why it takes that long. Because usually you're engaged and you're fighting and you're trying to feel what the hell's happening because you can't see what's happening. If you start getting on your tippy toes and you start peeking into the backfield, there's one direction you're going to go, and that, that direction is backwards. You're going backwards. The minute you get high, they're going to push you all over the place, and there's nothing that you can do. So I'm excited about those guys in the middle. And Eberflus already spoke today. They may add another veteran quarterback to the mix, too. Uh, it may not just be those two. Uh, Waddle and, and Meller are very adamant that you must take advantage of the new rule of the extra roster spot on game day, that it doesn't count against, what, the 45? Right. That you're 46 as the quarterback. 46, remember, they expanded to 46 a couple years ago, so now it's a 47. 47. So it's your four, for your 46-man roster, you could have that free 47th guy if it's a third quarterback. I just think it's the Brock Purdy rule. Yeah, yes. and the manner in which our quarterback, our starting quarterback, plays, I mean, there is going to be some physicality, which may lead to him missing some time. I think the nature of the position and the nature of how he plays the position, that it would probably serve you well to have that third quarterback available on Sunday. The only thing I countered with you guys, and I was playing the just asking game, when, you have, game. when you have a roster that still lacks depth in a lot of positions... I know they would be they would have to be inactive on game day or someone else would have to be inactive on game day but maybe you would want an extra offensive lineman on this team they're so hard to come by the supply and when you have an extra when you are number 1 in the waiver department when you uh, are claiming one and there's a guy out there that you may want to claim um while yes you get the free spot on game day he still takes up a 53-man roster spot. Is that better served on the 53 for another offensive lineman based on all these guys' health, based on their performance? We don't know if Lucas Patrick is a good or healthy. We don't know how a lot of these guys are going to perform on the offensive line. So maybe I'd rather keep an extra guard. They just had to trade for a six-round guard. So if another guard clears through waivers and you have the number one claiming spot, instead of adding a third quarterback, which I understand, yeah, keeping them on game day, but you're, you're not going to, what are you really going to win this year? Are you better off? having another lineman on your team or, or or another position where you may not have all the depth in the world? Well, it's a good question. I wouldn't say it's a great question, but it's a good question. I'll, I'll accept good. Okay. Um, I, I mean, maybe you stack your practice squad with young guards or tackles. But remember, you they're pluckable it. then. Correct. You know I mean? So you, you decide based on you know where your health is on Friday – you know, where your guys are. Like, your offensive linemen aren't going to play special teams, so they only really serve one purpose, and that's to be in there to protect or clear space. So I think it would matter based on, you know, how healthy everybody is. Uh, look, it, I mean, it's a dance. It really is. It's a, it's a weekly dance that you have to do when you're talking about the final few spots yeah, on every roster. Right, right, right. It really is. I mean... This is a name that I'll throw out there for the Bears. Okay. The Bengals released Trent Taylor speedy, shifty, top-end punt returner. Hmm. 
Five punt returns of 20-plus yards last year. Averaged 14.5 yards uh, per return. Good special teams returner. They're first in the waiver claim. Not a great receiver. Yeah. Not no real product productivity as a receiver. The Bears obviously have names in house, guys that they drafted uh, that maybe they would prefer to develop. Yeah. Don't you think Tyler Scott's excellent kickoff return helped possibly cement him as a returner in yeah, that role? I do. I do. But they're they're first on the waiver claim, so all they have to do is say this guy would be a better punt returner than anyone we have, and he would be equal to our sixth wide receiver on the depth chart. So we'll make the move. Yeah, I'm, I'm un- still unclear about punt returns, really, because they had even Simba Webster doing it. Yeah. Um, maybe they still dream of Vellis doing it, but he's not trustworthy at this point. Dante Pettis has been hurt, uh, whether he's going to be a guy or not. So it's uh, th- that is still a, a, a spot to be curious about. I, I would say that because the Bears are so young and they are still closer to the beginning, to the end of their rebuild, and they're hoping that this is the last time that they have the number one claim in the waiver order. I think they're going to put in quite a few claims. You do, huh? Yeah, I think I, th- I think that they are going to continue to churn the roster and look for marginal upgrades because there's not that many guys that they have to feel like they're completely, you know, married to, and they can take on, you know, an extra million bucks here or there. Uh, for their cap space this year. Like Dan Feeney, the offensive lineman from the Dolphins, most of his salary was in a signing bonus that the Dolphins paid. So I think he was like $1.2 million. That's three hundred grand over the veteran minimum. You know what I mean? That, that, that's nothing. Right. L- last year, they, um, they had the seventh spot in waiver claims, and they claimed seven players. Alex Leatherwood, who's already been cut. Armand Watts, who's gone. Trevon Wesco is gone. Jonathan Kingsley is gone. Sterling Weatherford still still around, or has he been cut? Uh, Josh Blackwell is still here. That's one waiver claim from last year who made a nice impact as a uh, as as an outside corner last year. So uh, Josh Blackwell still has a decent shot to make this team today. Yeah. So you know, they, and, Amir, and Amir Smith Marset, who I said we were never going to mention again. Yeah, he's not here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I I expect them to put in quite a few claims, and we'll get new names the the quarterback thing will be the easiest one to discuss because they probably will add a quarterback who we've heard of yeah because and i think it's the most likely of some of the highlight positions that often get talked about like they don't need a running back i don't really think they need a wide receiver because of the draftees uh but quarterback you could absolutely see them needing well yeah i mean i think that they want a veteran what you know, Tom Pelissero said that they're interested in Nate Peterman returning to to the team, but we'll see if he ends up being able to come back. Yeah, but to the practice squad, I think is the the goal. To I'd the practice heard that squad, earlier. yeah, yeah. So Peterman to the practice squad, but he can still be in the meetings for sure if he's on the practice squad. Which is what I was most surprised with with how the whole thing went down mm-hmm. was the the Monday through Saturday aspect of, of the quarterback room. Like, yeah, I understand that. That's the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator's job, and Fields is supposed to be a veteran and all of that. Yeah. If if Tyson Bajant, he carried two QBs, man. That's that's just not a lot of experience in the room. But I think it's it's whether this is a surprise to people or not. I think it's more it's easier now 
to get Nate Peterman to the practice squad than it is to get Tyson Bajan to the practice squad. Peterman is an established known commodity of bad. Correct. Yeah, no one's going to say, oh, we got to get him. There's upside there. And you're allowed to have vested veterans on the practice squad now. Uh, They changed the rules a little bit. So you can get Nate Peterman there. No team is going to be like, oh, I got to have that guy um, I mean, maybe somebody would for the room, but that would mean that he's your third guy because you don't want him as your backup. So not cutting Bajant and letting him be your two from the get-go makes a lot more sense. If they do go out and they grab a veteran, then all of a sudden that means they are comfortable carrying three, which I suspect more teams will be this year than last. Dan Aguirre, what stuck out? Well, first off, Peterman, as much as I thought, oh, that guy, when he's in Buffalo and Oakland, he can't play. But as everything we've asked him to do here, he's done. I mean, he's he's looked okay every step of the way, is what I'm saying. If he's got to be your practice squad third quarterback, I mean, he's he started an NFL postseason game before. So I'm saying you could have very – there could be much – Less talent as your number three. So I I remember Peterman when I went to the senior bowl, I believe it was 2018 or 19. I remember Peterman at the senior bowl and all week long he had a really bad practice. And uh his early years in the NFL, he looked like that guy at the senior bowl. I do believe that as time has gone on the game has slowed down for Peterman. I'm not saying, you know, Lawrence Holmes last week on media mashup set two and two. That's what you're looking for out of a backup quarterback. Peterman could be the two and two guy or the one and three guy. Um, I'm just really, you know, interested in seeing if, if fields had to miss three or four games, could uh, Bajan be that two and two guy? Could it be three and one? Do you think they should have cut PJ? Yeah, I guess so. You know, he had a really good quote saying, I, I can read the room. I know, you know, stuff is up. I know people are talking and so forth. This was before he was cut. So uh, he just, yeah, I, I think it was, I, I had high hopes for him. I thought, you know, wow, it's very similar to Justin Fields in, in terms of athleticism and had a decent year with the Panthers, but yeah, it didn't work out. I think it's it's probably a good move. You recognize it's not quite working. Move on. Maybe something better comes uh, on waivers other than Peterman, or maybe Tyson Bajant is like, wow, we we really got something here, guys. Let's get rid of PJ. Maybe that's how they're feeling. People are. I in think the I would have kept him. Yeah, you would have. I think so. Even if. Even if you thought, well, if Justin misses a few games, I'll go with Bajant, you know, in the long run. I I think maybe if it's the fourth quarter of Green Bay and for some reason, like, let's hot and feels is cramping, I would feel better with P.J. going in there in week one than I would Bajant. And I'm concerned. I mentioned this last night with Dan. I'm, I'm concerned that he's Caleb Haney 2.0. You know, Caleb looked good against Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. We're like, oh, well, he's set. He's our backup. That's it. He's the backup. You know, Donovan McNabb's out there begging to be signed by the Bears. He wants to come home. Yeah, we got t- we've got Caleb fucking Haney. And again, the seven and three Bears went eight and eight with Caleb fucking Haney as the backup when Jay broke his thumb. You, it's another lost season 
because Caleb Haney was exposed of just being a bum. So I'm not saying Bajan is Haney, but it is something I'm concerned about. Because again, at least Haney's success was in against the Green Bay starters in the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Like, who has Bajan been beating? The third team members of, you know, just I just hope it's not an aberration that he gets in there and suddenly it's like he doesn't know how to drive a clutch and then the fucking car is going all over the road. I don't know why I'm using so many car analogies tonight. I apologize. No, that's all right. I, I, I just think that the team is still in the midst of rebuilding and that acquiring a proven backup quarterback and a third quarterback to help you get to the Super Bowl because you've got all the makings of a Super Bowl contender like those lovey teams had, I think it's less of a priority. I think you can uh, – now is the perfect time to have – a quarterback like Tyson Bagent, <laughs> who could maybe be Kurt Warner, who could maybe surprise you and win those tough games down the stretch when your number one quarterback is out and you need a, a couple of wins to get into the playoffs. Maybe he's that guy. And this is a good time to uh, to test it because you don't want to do it when you've got a Super Bowl-ready team. You want to have that a backup quarterback who – has had success, who has faced big games, who has that experience. You know, Iberflus uh, talked about the importance of experience when he was talking, heaping praise on P.J. Walker a week or two ago. Well, let's see maybe if 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 Bajent, if a backup quarterback needs to get into the game, let's see maybe if, if we can give that experience to Bajent. Uh, Doesn't Bajent look like when he you see his picture on, or if he takes his helmet off, it's like, man, am I watching a high school game out there? <laughs> he looks like he's 17 years old. I mean, yes. I keep wanting to make Mike Tyson jokes with his name because it's so not him. Like, he's the baddest man on the planet, yeah. Tyson Bajan, but it's, it won't even stick, man. It's just because he looks so young. He does. He looks like you ever watch, you know, like a movie or a TV show about a high school football team, and you, and you look at guys on there and say, those guys look way too old to be in high school. You yeah, could put yeah, Bajan yeah. in the movie and he would look like a high school student. Yeah, this guy really is in 11th grade. <laughs> That's right. I did All like right. the quote that you uh, that you tweeted from one of his coaches, though. Yeah, wasn't that cool? Which one was that? <laughs> it was something to the effect of, you know, oh, they think he's never been able to implement game plans before. Or like, he's never been able to make adjustments before. How did he get to this level, you fucks? Yeah, that was Good. his uh, offensive coordinator from 2021. He was pissed off at what Eberflus said because Eberflus had said in today's press conference, you know, what to, uh, uh, to the question he responded, uh, what is uh, what do you want uh, Bajan to improve on? And he said, well, he's going to have to learn how to adjust to the new offenses we're going to be putting in every week and the schemes behind it. And he didn't do that in college. And his offensive coordinator was, yeah, it's because we're not fucked. <laughs> you know, on uh, winning time this week or when it was showing uh, Jason Siegel going into clubs and shit and suddenly being happy that he's like the star, I'm the coach of the Lakers. I'm Paul Westhead, and he's going to the Forum Club. I feel mm-hmm. like this kid's going to be like, I play for the Chicago Bears. Can now, now can I please get my first pussy? <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, uh, Jordan asked, do you really uh, – so Dan must have really loved compiling Bajan highlights in West Virginia. This is when we were talking about your high school football 
get that. If he played in Martinsburg, it's the complete opposite end of the state. I would have no reason to follow him. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and then uh, 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 Tooch just put up that what the, what did he put up? Don is uh, Dan is throwing shade at a fellow of West Virginia. No, I, I want him. It's a great story. Yeah, like you it said, is. it's it's like Kurt Warner going from grocery store to Hall of Fame. This guy goes from the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia to at least back up. I mean, I would love for him to do something, but I, you know, if I'm writing a script, he suddenly just drifts into the abstract and, and stays on the bench and Justin is balling. Yeah. That's what I hope. Or, or you could have uh, a scene in that script where Jesus Christ, I should have it queued up. <laughs> The other day we were doing like, you know, tubs and sauna together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tooch is ready to come in with his bears. A state of the of state of affairs. Uh, Tooch, uh, bring yourself in there. You got your and the mic is going to be on. Yeah, it's muted right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Still muted. There it is. Tooch, how are you, man? Hey, everybody. Doing good. I'm on a... Uh, uh, Spent some time with both of my radio sons last night on uh, uh, South Burbs Hitmen. Oh, nice. Vinny, Vinny and O. Uh-huh. Those How are my two, two of my children. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun, oh. man. We talked fantasy football for like two hours. Really? Yeah, it was great. A lot of great mm. questions from, you know, uh, myself, the two other guys, and, and the chat room. So really great. Excellent. Good. South Burbs Hitman yep. every Monday night yep. until the White Sox are officially out of it here on the Barroom Network. Uh, Tooch, I understand you have a Bears state of affairs. Ready when you are. I am ready now. Let us roll your little uh, open here that uh, people have DM'd me and said, that is really cool. <laughs> mute automatically during that little roll, you know? Uh, actually, I was laughing at what Kenny said. said. Kenny said, this damn episode is making me wish the stroke took out Aldo. Wow. <laughs> oh, Kenny. <laughs> I love you, Kenny. <laughs> well, where the fuck you are? <laughs> <All right. laughs> Take it away, Teach. All right. Bears, state of affairs, offseason week 33. What's happening? Bar flies. Oh, the Bears finished out the preseason last weekend with a loss to the Bills, 24-21. The game saw Josh Allen march down the field in the first quarter on a 12-play, 72-yard drive of the Bills, converting three third downs during that drive, which finished with a Damian Harris touchdown run. On defense, the Bills stifled Justin Fields, causing Dan Aguirre uh, angst. Yeah. And the Bears' offense as the team struggled versus one of the league's top defense. Yeah, there were some bright spots, however. Left tackle Braxton Jones really looked good in pass pro. And in the run game, too. The second-year tackle from Southern Utah looks headed toward an improved season. Protecting Justin Fields' blind side was one guy that really stood out for me. 
Uh, and the rookies were making some noise in this game. Rookie quarterback Tyson Bajan led a late second quarter touchdown drive with the Bears down 14-3. to And cornerback Tyreek Stevenson continued his strong preseason with nice coverage and an interception. Rookie Tyler Scott got in on the action with a nice 56-yard kickoff return. Uh, the loss to the Bills, though, rightfully gave Bears fans cause for worry. The Bears, as usual, had plenty of things to fix before hosting their arch-rivals, the Packers, on September 10th. Today, though, is cut-down day across the NFL, as teams needed to get down to 53-man rosters by 3 o'clock. Some notable cuts by the Bears included backup quarterback P.J. Walker and former Raiders first-round pick Alex Leatherwood, who was trying to find a spot on the Bears' offensive line. And reading between the lines, what's notable about these two cuts is that they signal a sea change for the Bears organization. Both of these cuts will cost the Bears close to $7 million. In the past, the Bears organization would gravitate toward keeping players and might cost the team money if cut, even if they were underperforming. Yeah, rewarding players based on performance sends a great message to players that hard work will be rewarded, and everyone has a chance to make the team if they perform well. But Tyson Bajant, he simply outplayed P.J. Walker. And it's possible that the Bears felt Bajant showed better command of the offense. Perhaps Walker needed more time in the offense. Who knows? But Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus were not willing to risk losing Bajant to another team that they tried to sneak him through waivers. And this move, it's balls out, throwing caution and balls to the wind, making an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback the sole backup to Justin Fields. That's ballsy, Poles. The most concerning issue facing the Bears currently, though, is the rash of injuries along the offensive line. How serious is Darnell Wright's injury? When will Tevin Jenkins be healthy enough to play? A few days ago, Jenkins was spotted for the first time in a boot as he was leaving the Chicago Bears locker room. Remember last week, I said the one thing that Dan Aldo and I feared and could possibly affect this young Bears team's hopes tremendously were injuries along the offensive line. Additionally, two out of three Bears centers can't snap because of Bears injuries. And that's the same injury the third guy had last year. Let me just say that again. The Bears have two out of three centers who can't snap because of hand injuries. And the one guy who can snap had the same injury last season. Yeah, the Bears' luck at the center position recently is so bad, and I'm officially calling this the Mustafer curse. Yeah. Well, Doug Kramer, who played well enough to make the 53-man roster, injured his hand in the Bills' preseason game, the same injury that forced Cody Whitehair to move back to guard. Lucas Patrick, the other center, had the hands injury last season. Patrick appears healthy, but his play hasn't really been good. How do we know that? Well, Ryan Poles sent a six-round pick to the Dolphins yesterday in order to acquire guard center and Feeney. Yeah, look at this guy. This guy is sure to be a fan favorite. Yeah, he comes complete with a mullet and a porn stash. Yeah, no, I never worked with him in the business, although. Plus, he <laughs> went from Oral Park, Illinois, and went to Carl Sandburg High School. Instant fan favorite. That's a good move. One of many that Bowles has made since becoming the Bears GM. Feeney is a former third-round pick of the Chargers out of Indiana University. Has spent time with the Jets, too. All in all, 
Bears kept 10 offensive linemen on their 53-man roster, signaling no concern over injuries along the offensive line. And in final cutdowns, Bears said goodbye to Travis Gibson, who logged the most quarterback pressures on a team in desperate need of pass rushers. Gibson had recently, quote-unquote, requested a trade, or maybe not, who knows. But the Bears were unable to find any trade partners, or so they say. As well, Travis Bell, the seventh-round pick out of Kennesaw State. He showed some flashes, but was waived. Hopefully, he'll be a part of the Bears' practice squad. Other notable cuts included Dan Aguirre favorite Kendall Vildor, who played quarterback, and quarterback Nathan Peterman and linebacker Micah Baskerville. While the Bears released a bunch of players you might have really liked, so did the rest of the NFL. Yeah, and the Bears had the top waiver priority. So if there are any players on the waiver wire that might interest the Bears, especially in areas of concern like, say, offensive line, yeah, or safety or defensive line or pass rush, the Bears get first crack at those players. Yeah, the next few days are going to be really interesting. And that is Mr. Aldo Gandia Bears State of Affairs. Beautifully done, Johnny Santucci. That was one of your better ones. I might, if I were to go back and list them all, I'd have that in the top three, maybe top <laughs> two. You know, uh, it's funny because I, was I, I, whenever I write these, I'm thinking, uh, like you and I, Dan, maybe uh, somewhere down the line, I'll be like, you know, it kind of chronicled you know, the uh, the bear. What's go? What was going on at the time? You know, sure. in the world of the bears. You know, because you know, you give a little. You know, it was a Bills game and the the waiver moves and you know the injuries on the offensive line. You know, not that Dan McGuire needs any help remembering any of his stuff from that photographic <laughs> no, <he doesn't>. memory. <laughs> it's awesome. Yep. So, so let's talk a little bit more about these cuts because uh, Dan, it, what's the one player, two players, whoever that most surprised you? Walker was a surprise. And Gibson, given all the drama, I guess, and maybe isn't. But if he really didn't ask for a trade and he performed on the field, I know that you showed the clip with Alan Williams basically saying, ah, he's beating third teamers, so it doesn't matter. That still <laughs> kind of surprises me. Uh, Baskerville, from what I could see, was playing fairly well. But again, maybe it's because he was at the end of the game. Uh, I don't want to say I'm happy to see anyone cut, but I thought Ebner didn't have it. Mm -hmm. But maybe he gets put on the practice squad. I figure... For some reason, they love Webster. He'll probably be brought back in the practice squad. Leatherwood was a surprise, again, with all the problems that we've had. You know, we've talked about it at nauseum already on the line. The Iceland guy, I feel like for every time I see him, I just feel like he's, he doesn't have it either. So I'm not surprised he got cut. But that's the long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, excellent uh thinking there you know i it is sad about dieter iceland by the way i misspelled his name i wrote dieter <laughs> yeah. Eileen. Colin <laughs> Eileen. yeah i love that song have you ever have you got you'll have to flash the lyrics to come on eileen they're, they're really dirty <laughs> oh really that song yeah it's like uh i'll take off your red dress you know you know there's all this all this, it's really kind of a dirty song if you watch it. It's hard to understand what he says because of his Irish accent. Right. I, one time I had, to, I had to I had to flash the lyrics up because I didn't know what he was saying. I'm like, damn, this song's filthy. The dirtiest lyric I've ever heard okay on FM radio. There was this guy in the early 90s who just went by James. Mm -hmm. That was it, James. They used his music in the American Pie movies. 
but he had a single called Laid, and the opening yeah. line in it is, she only comes when she's yeah. on top. And they yeah. let that go on FM. Like, we could play that, but you can't say, like, uh, Kelly Clarkson, too. my life would suck without you because suck sounds too much like whatever. <laughs> but she only comes when she's on top, though. That can air. Yeah, I love that song, too. That's another good one. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. uh, and Toot, you went through yeah. any of all the players, but any anybody else that you want to comment on that uh, well, hit the? the I, I hit him. I hit him in in uh, uh, Bear State of Affairs. And man, I mean, right. the, the the roster tells a lot if you're reading between the lines. Okay, so ten offensive linemen, man. I don't even. Think, you know, I think they might need a, one or two more. You know, just I'm just saying, we got uh, one tackle. Uh, don't know uh, darn out right how injured he is. You have Larry Borum. If, if Borum or, or Braxton Jones gets injured, who's jumping out there? You know, mm-hmm. Tevin Jenkins is injured too. You know, if, if you think about it, uh, I, I don't know. I think that um, another offensive lineman might be coming. It, it, it's tragic the, the amount of uh, trouble we're having on the on the offensive line. It, 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 one thing that we said was in order for the Bears team to take another step, Justin Fields, you know, you, he's got to take another step in the passing game. He showed that he was. The hesitation. He's not. He, he doesn't like the. Uh, uh, doesn't doesn't see the window open. Well, uh, NFL NFL opens a lot different than college open. But there, who, who, I can't remember who it was that had that play up there. It was diagram in that play. But uh, man, that was uh, that was textbook. He he needed to hit that guy in the slot, you know, on that mm-hmm. flag route, and just he didn't pull it. He, he running, you know, went to running uh, scrambling too quickly. But uh, uh, the surprise, I mean, P.J. P. Walker and Peterman gone. But Peterman will probably be back on the practice squad. But, uh, you know, it, like I said, it's a balls-out move to just have Tyson Bedden an undrafted free. I love the kid, too. You know, don't get me wrong. But I, I thought we'd at least have maybe someone else, you know. Uh, P.J. Yeah. Walker's a surprise because I, I don't uh, – I wasn't sure whether whether he would get cut. But uh, I, I don't think he, he quite uh, – had a grasp of the West Coast offense, you know. He was kind of just winging it out there, you know. While while Badgett maybe maybe outstudied him in the classroom, you know, and had a little better command, or maybe it was something he ran at, at Shepard, uh, a pro pro style offense. And then Travis Gibson, who guy had the most pressures, you know, logged the most pressures this offseason. I, I I didn't see anything from Rasheem Green that would you know give me any uh, uh, any cause to get rid of Gibson, uh, but. You know, like you said, attitude might be uh, uh, got him uh, uh, shown the the, the the pink slip. Yeah, but other than that, not much spies. Uh, Travis I Bell wish the guy that. from Nigeria would have made it just for the story. I think his first name is Roy, not to criticize Tucher's list here. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Bra- Bravion? But yeah, I know Bra- he was from Nigeria, Bra- so I, I was rooting for him just for the story. Yeah. It, what, is his name not on the list? That's I think, Roy, yeah, Roy's his first name. I think it's it's in the second column. Gotcha. It's just, there it is. Yeah, it's flip flopped. Yeah, I was rooting for him because it's a good story to have someone internationally playing. But again, maybe he isn't that good. But I was hoping he would be. I would have mm-hmm. kept Travis, you know. But yeah, you know, I, th- those are probably the two cuts that sting the most uh, is Travis Gibson because when he was drafted, I think it was in the fifth round by Ryan Pace. I really thought he was going to be a good 4-3 defensive end. Now, the rumor is is that he wants to get back to the 3-4 defense that he played in in his rookie year. 
Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I, I had high expectations for him, and he looked really good in the preseason games. But, again, I'm not at OTAs. I'm not at practices. I'm not in the classroom, blah, 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 which all goes into the evaluation. And then Kendall Vildor, there was just a soft spot in my heart for Kendall because I interviewed him uh, at the Senior Bowl, and then, lo and behold, the Bears draft him. And uh, Jim Nagy, the senior executive director of the Senior Bowl, kept telling me, be patient. Be patient. He's kept telling me, all Chicago Bears fans, be patient. This guy's going to turn it on. It's going to turn on. Well, he never did. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, Michael Ojemudia, the, the kid from Iowa, um, I, I'm a little shocked that uh, he was released, but I got a feeling that a lot of these names that we've just been talking about of guys that uh, we are sad to see go or concerned that they left, those guys will be on that 16-man practice squad. A lot of them will be. I truly believe that. Hopefully the fountain guy will be because he showed a little bit of skill. Yep. I, I really like that guy. Spotted him last year when uh, on a, for a Buffon 55 show, we were going to talk about the, all the injuries to the Bears. And so I just as a little exercise, went to every team's practice squad to see, not every team, all the teams that had good passing offenses, good receivers. I went to all of their practice squad rosters and there was a guy named Doris Fountain. And so I did some research on him, saw some highlight clips. So on the Buffon 55 show, I, I said, you know, I, I think the Bears might want to consider bringing in Doris Fountain. And John Buffon said, who the fuck are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> Doris Fountain. He, he expected, you know, somebody like uh, a name, a guy with a name. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, college of Northern Iowa right here. That's uh, right. Uh, Cedar Falls. What, yep. Was it Northern Iowa? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Iowa, Iowa State. Um, all right. Uh, I want to share. Let's see. It's 920. All right. So we've got, uh, you guys want to talk about the roster at all, or you want to play this little game I put together? However you want to drive the car is good with me. All right. So you're just thinking. You're yeah. Uh, I just, man, uh, I, I I wanted to comment on uh, Dan's angst and uh, second. Please do. I, I second that emotion, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I was so happy to hear Dan say this because I'm thinking the exact same thing. One, I'm super worried about the offensive line. I think we're, I think because of injuries, we're dangerously thin. Area that we can't afford to be thin, you know. It's the one thing that we talked about all off season of improving, and then you know uh, the pass rush. We haven't seen Yannick Ngakwe and some of these other guys, Demarcus Walker. We haven't seen much of them, but uh, Travis Gibson was a guy that was giving you some some pressure. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't draft we didn't draft an edge rusher in the draft. You know, instead we drafted three defensive tackles. I know Eberflus likes to uh, have pressure on the quarterback from his defensive tackles. But uh, we basically got three defensive tackles that weren't really ready, you know, to do much this year. So uh, my expectations are, are, are slightly uh, lowered. You know, uh, I was thinking, you know, uh, you know, if all things go right and it's the NFL, it's the Bears and things, things never go all right for the Bears. Everything never yeah. goes Everything never goes all the way right for us. That's for yeah. sure. That's for sure. Now, Eberflus was asked about those uh, the injuries to the two defensive ends and how concerned was he about that? Yeah, I mean, it was limited, right? I mean, you didn't really see Walker, um, you know, in, in the training camp. You know, he was injured. Uh, we saw uh, Yanni a couple, you know, in practice. We saw him in a little limited action there, so it's limited right now. Um, but uh, would you wish you would have saw more? Sure. Definitely. I wish they were going the whole time, but uh, it wasn't uh, that wasn't in the in the cards this particular training camp. 
you know, so those guys are going to be, and they have been working with the training staff to get their conditioning right, to get their levels right, and then also working with the coaches to get their technique right as we go through the first, lead up to the first game. You have confidence that, that that's going to work, that those guys are going to be who you think they'll be, or do you not know that based on how little you saw of them? I mean, you know, based on where they are right now, we like where they are. And uh, it is where it is right now. So we got to make sure we do a great job of ramping them up conditioning-wise and getting them ready to play for the first game. Dan Tooch, are you any less concerned now about the pass rush? No. <laughs> I will say, I, I mentioned this earlier. I think I really want to hit this point, though. It's distressing to me that if you ever express any criticism, that the prevailing thought is, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. The preseason doesn't matter, you dumbass. And I just feel like it's valid to acknowledge all the things that are happening right now. To me, if you're a Bears fan and you're expecting them to win by 35 on uh, September 10th, based upon what? What gives you this confidence? Because I want it. Well, it would be based on the feeling that they have in training camp. The, the What we can't see, when the players go up there and speak with confidence about they expect to get off to a good start and have good games and so forth, it has to be because of the camaraderie, teamwork, uh, all of that stuff that you do in practice and, and in the classroom that has them feeling. Now, when Bears fans say it, I, 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 can't, I can't speak for them, so I, I don't know. But I, I, I do I do think that judgment should be reserved until after we've seen them play two or three games. Sort of like what Cliff said. Let's not be too morose about what things how things look like now. He's gonna reserve any negative comments until after we've seen them play in a regular season game with their starters, with the scheme in place. We'll see. I mean, the Bear Super Bowl team was one and three in, in preseason, so and that's the 85 team. So I know. But this I'm going to be riding and dying with them as they say as soon as the season starts regardless if they're 0 and 17, God forbid, I'm still a mm -hmm. fan. I just think it's illogical for me to ignore everything along the way which is what these uh preseason don't matter people are espousing and I just I just can't I can't subscribe to that theory like I'm ignoring it's like yeah, I, I haven't gotten a cancer diagnosis, but everything along the way says I've got heart trouble. I'm breathing bad, and you know, all not not really. By the way, I'm just saying as an example, like you have to see the signs of things that are going wrong and acknowledge them. Though, it, no, I I I don't argue with that one bit. All right, so that soundbite from uh, hold on one second. I just want to there sure. there was a guy on X who posted every snap of Tremaine Edmonds in the last game. And yeah. I, was, I gotta say, oof, brutal. So yeah, paid, was brutal. paid a lot of money for Tremaine Edmonds. He looked like he yeah. could play at all, man. Yeah. He looked really, really oh rusty. He was getting get caught up. Yeah. He, he was getting there. caught in player screens on crossing Ooh. patterns. He was uh, a little late in reads, but I, I just, I do think that. Uh, and that why is that? Because he didn't participate hardly in the preseason. No, he was, he was hurt. Playing. I he know, was, but as a result hurt. of being hurt, he wasn't playing. You can't and, help that, though. He's well, no, no, no. I'm not saying that he was faking or something. I'm just saying, but to me, that's a, a, an example of what I'm worrying about is oh, we're, we're, we're hoping that he just figures it out again in week one, mm -hmm. and he hasn't been out there, and then suddenly he turns the light switch on and is, and maybe he can do that. But it's legitimate 
concern to question if he can he really do that no that's that's why we're here we're here to concern uh express our concerns and then talk it over and hopefully we'll feel a little bit better by the end of the show if not you know that's bless you i think we will next week because it'll be bears packers week and then at that point you kind of get in your bunker like, mm-hmm. hey, this is the side I'm on, so fuck that other side. And and fuck right. Pat O'Donnell, by the way. I'm glad to see that he was caught. Yeah, who knows? Traitor. He might, he, he's not a traitor. He's a traitor. Him and Adrian. Where's Adrian Amos, by the way? I don't know, but uh, is Steve he's McMichael a traitor? Is, no, is, Mon- my, is Mongo a traitor? Absolutely not. Mongo said he was yeah. getting free money that year. Yeah, <laughs> you got to you gotta, you gotta go where the money is for your family's sake. This is a job. It's not a fucking Cub Scouts. All right, so here's what I want to do. Uh, I was watching the ESPN, uh, I don't know what show it was, a show on, uh, uh, on ESPN. I think it was Get Up, and they had the, uh, an over-under segment. So I'm going to ask you guys. The over-under, we're just talking about the defense, uh, the defensive line. So the over-under, guys, uh, team sacks this year, 40. You think it's going to be over or you think it's going to be under? Now, that would be double the amount of sacks the Bears had last year. They had 20, and the Eagles led the NFL with 70. So what say you, Johnny Santucci? I'm going to go with under. That's why I'm sorry. I don't know Jesus. More, and more, more, and more people are turning off the show saying he's fucking I know. negative, Nancy's fucking tooch. <laughs> uh, any reason why you don't see this team doubling the amount of sacks that they had a year ago? Just telling along the defensive line. I mean, the, the best pass rusher we got is is Yannick. He's probably good for nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know. Uh, a bunch of other guys got to really step up, you know. That leaves thirty for the rest of the other guys. You, know, you need to have another guy in double double digits, you know, uh, probably yeah. or close to double digits for us to get get near that. What about you, Mister Danaguire? What say you? I I say it's under, but I'll put him in the thirties though. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll be better, significantly better than last year because it's hard to be that poor two years in a row. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they're ready to come out and, and start hitting 70 homers here either. So I'm going to say they get somewhere between 30 and 35. Well, um, Andrew I Billings. Alan Williams' assessment there from Michael, by the way. <laughs> I have yeah, no I mean, confidence in Alan Williams at a all. A lot of it depends on the Alan Williams scheming, <laughs> scheming pressures, you know, and I, coverage. So guys, I, I wish I, we had Flores from Minnesota. Who left for Miami? He's the Vikings' new DC. I wish he was our DC. That's another guy uh, that you and Jordan agree on. Jordan Silvera is a huge Flores fan, and he's but going to be bringing the heat, the pressure. Yeah, he will. Uh, here's a, a reason, perhaps, to have a little bit more comp- confidence in the defensive line. This is Andrew Billings talking about those two rookie defensive tackles. Run game, pass rush, just working together, seeing them out there together because you know they're, they're the future of this team. They're going to be here for at least, you know, four years. So just having that, you know, cohesiveness that they, they're developing right now is huge. And, they like, they both seem to be doing it pretty quick. Uh, is the vibe any different uh, this year with this team and this defense than any previous uh, teams you've been on as far as just how good you feel about what this team can do? Anything about it that really seems real? You know I'm saying that you can tell it's just definitely going to be there and yeah. not just kind of – I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is it's the rookies. I mean – 
just the way they're eager to learn. Like, I mean, I've, I've been around a lot of rookies, and they all want to learn. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but uh, it just seems like, you know, they're going home and really thinking about it, and you tell them something one day, and they come out, and they're, and they're, they're working on it, they're trying to fix it, and then you don't see it in the game. And that's like that's that's what pros do. You, your coach tells you something once, you you work on it, you fix it, and the next week it's, it's eliminated. And I'm seeing that in the rookies, which is which is huge for me. Anyone in particular of those rookies that you think? I know you think they'll all do well, but anyone you think will really be a breakout player, as far as a you know first time in the NFL, you know? Uh... I mean, I'm not gonna put pressure on them like that, but it's up to them. I think they both have the ability to do it, and I think they have the attitude to do it as well. It's just you know we gotta see what comes forth. Excuse my misspelling there on Jervon. Uh, that give you a little hope that uh, a veteran defensive lineman is saying these two rookies could really turn into something and it could happen this year. Well, you played uh, Yurko's uh, assessment of Dexter. He's going to mm -hmm. be a project that is going to take all year to make into a pro in your system. So that's right. Yeah. That sort of mitigates his praise there. <laughs> Or negates it, you know. It's like they cancel yeah. each other out. Is what I'm trying right. to say. Sure, sure. I, I, you know, I, I. What was interesting in this last game, one of the reporters asked Eberflus, "You had the two rookies each playing a three tech. Now, why did you do that?" And he says, "Well, it's because as Tooch was saying earlier in the show, the the Bears like to." get that pressure coming in, in up the middle so that the quarterback cannot step up in the pocket and instead is forced out. And that gives Yannick and uh, Dexter and Rashid, all those defensive ends, an opportunity to get a sack or to keep him in that pocket by setting that edge and forcing him to stay in the middle and make an errant throw. And then Jalen Johnson gets one of his much desired uh, interceptions in his contract here. So um, it's very interesting. So I got you both down for under, right? Yes. All right. Yep. So so let's turn over to the offense and see what about Justin Fields? Do you think he's going to get over or under 3,500 passing yards? Remember, he had about, well, I think it was 2,300 uh, in 2022. What say you, Dan Aguirre? Man, I hate to be pessimistic because I was wanting 4,000 so badly because the Bears have never attained that as anybody in the history of the organization. After what I, I know, it's just a preseason game. I'm going to say under. I'm sorry, under. It doesn't mean the Bears can't win. It doesn't mean Justin doesn't have a great season. But when he's missing wide open men like that, I just don't see him hitting 4,000. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we play this tape back and we say what a big – fucking moron i am in in january please let let that come into fruition but i'm gonna say under <laughs> uh, cliff says i'll pay prices right and say i went both joy showcases with a 3500 yard bid what's it you johnny santucci you know it's only about 200 yards a game when you think about That's, it a little over, little over 200 great point. 208 maybe 207 yards a game which is mm -hmm. which is really doable, but the way the offensive line is trending, I would have to say I'm leaning towards under with the injuries on the offensive line, and just uh, uh, Fields really has to take that step in the passing game, man. The whole this whole season hinges on Fields taking that step in the preseason game. I and, I and, couldn't agree you with know? you more, please. Yeah, and then and then you you know the measuring stick for 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 whether he's taking that step is the Packers bookends to the season. 
You know, you got the Packers yeah. the first game at home. If we lose that, you know, it's going to be a sour note, you know, and the, the haters are going to come out. If we win the game, it's going to be like, all right, they're, 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 uh, they're going to be uh, high stepping towards the next game. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, they build on that for the, for the coming uh, games. And then, you know, you finish up with the Packers. And if, if you haven't improved at all, you know, and, the, and the, you know, the Packers up there probably uh, end up whipping our ass. Yeah, well, we'll be talking a hell of a lot more about the Packer game yeah. next Tuesday. I, it's definitely uh, but, doable, though, 3,500 yards. Definitely doable. Can I say one more thing on this Just, before you please. turn the topic? Please. Yeah. I'm sorry. Say that again, Tooch. I said at this point in time, I would have to take, I'd be forced to take the under, though. I think it's it's definitely doable, 3,500 yards, because only about okay. 205, 207 yards a game. Right. What about you, Dan? For two years now, I've been a chronic excuse maker for Justin Fields. You know, Matt Nagy's stupid ass, and that's valid. The offensive line, no receivers. Everything we've said before was a valid excuse. There's no more excuses, man. There's no more excuses. I'm going to say down until you show me. It's time for you to ball. It's time Mm -hmm. for you to prove everything, all your supporters, and I include myself in that category, as being someone who's like, dude, this guy has got so much potential. He's got charisma. He's got the it factor. But he doesn't back it up on the field. Not yet. Mm-hmm. So let's see it. Let's fucking see it, for real. Sunday, September 10th. I don't. He doesn't have to throw for 400 yards. But just, just look like the quarterback we want you to be. Just let's give us some hope. I, you know, and Michael Henneman says, you know, Fields just needs to win games. He'll throw for under 3,500. But if you win, who cares? I agree with you, Michael. I don't care. I mean, it would be nice to get a 4,000-yard quarterback. You know, the only team in the NFL not to have one. That means a little bit. But, yeah, win games, first and foremost. If If he's winning games with him rushing, for you know, 15 times over 150 yards every game, I'll take it and just continue to develop Bajan because he's not going to last long in a year in the in the league. I'd like right. to see him break Kramer's record for most touchdowns in a regular season, which the is Bay- 29. We don't even have 30 touchdowns in one season as a Bears quarterback. At the very least, Justin should be able to get that. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to say Justin Jefferson of the Vikings might have 30 touchdown well, catches this season. And, and like eight of them will be against the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, let's stay with the offense on our over-under game here. And the next question or the next over-under is about DJ Moore. DJ Moore had – oops, wrong one. Uh, DJ Moore had – 1,193 receiving yards in his uh, best season with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think he's going to go over on those receiving yards or under? And he, in that season, was one of the lowest catch, uh, lowest receptions that he had in his career with Carolina. So he was averaging almost 19 yards per catch. He was a big play weapon doing what he's done, what he did in that first preseason game, catching these short passes and then just getting huge yak. So again, we are asking the question, and Tuch, I'll start with you. Will DJ Moore have more than 1,193 receiving yards in the Lord Lord's year of 2023? Uh, I'm going to say over. He's a, yak, he's a yak monster. So that's like less than 100 yards a game. 
That's what, like 80-hour 80, 80 game maybe? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the optimism. So almost half of the passing yards Justin Fields is going to have this season are going to go to DJ Moore. Probably 30 35% is your uh, math genius mind telling you? Yeah, roughly. I mean, he, he's like heads above the rest of the of the core as far as like route running, speed, uh, hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's all the other guys. Uh, they, he he's he's like so far above the other. You know, all the guys are just guys. When you think yeah. about, it, he's a, he's a clear number one wide receiver. You know, that's what we wanted. He's a number one wide receiver. I wish we had a guy that was a number two. Ooh, Darnell Mooney is not doing it for you? He's all right. Clay, well, they're okay. Right. They're more like third wide receivers, though, to me. I mean, I, I want a guy. I want a guy like uh, uh, you know, uh, T. Higgins to a Jamar Chase. You know. Mm-hmm. What say you, Dan Aguirre? I still have hope for Claypool if he can get out there and stay healthy, that he mm-hmm. could show. Uh, in ball that he could be in the number two and, and Mooney's in a contract year too. So I don't want to count either guy out. And to answer the question, DJ Moore, do I think he can catch 1200 yards? Absolutely. Yes. I love it. Yep. Over too. Uh, I'm just saying like Claypool to me is a guy who could have 10 touchdowns. But I don't know mm-hmm. if we'll get to like say 800 yards receiving, you know, he's not yeah. a guy that's going to be, uh, you know, 10 catches, 120. 150 yards a game, I don't think. Uh, more of a 800 yards or uh, 800 yards a season, maybe 10 touchdowns. Because in the red zone, you know, Claypool is, is a is a good target. I mean, like him and Cole Komet are going to be, you know, they're going to be looking for the Justin Fields better be looking for those two down in the red zone. We're, we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I I got to tell you, I. Um... Chase Claypool better have a good year because if he doesn't, this is a contract year for him. He's traded by the Steelers. He's going to have a hard time making $7 million next season if he doesn't have a a really good year. He's got to prove a bunch of doubters wrong. All right, let's get back to this uh, over-under game. Let's talk about the Bears' rushing attack. Total yards rushing. They had 3,014 in 2022. Do you think it's going to be over or under with uh, these three great running backs or great or very good running backs and Justin Fields running the ball? Uh, Dan Aguirre, start with you this time. Um, I'm going to say slightly less because they'll be able to pass more than they did last year. But mm-hmm. if the Bears are successful, they will be running the ball again, and that includes number one because that is a staple of his game. And he's a fucking beast. And then I, I still think I like Johnson, the guy we drafted. I like mm-hmm. Foreman from Carolina. And, uh, you know, Herbert well, Herbert has shown that he's okay, too. Like, I like the backs. I love the running. I love the quarterback. Let me just say that again. I love our quarterback. So I'm going to say less, though, because the idea is he's going to throw more. Yeah, and I, I have a bit of advice for fantasy football players. Do not draft any of the Bears running backs because it's just going to be so difficult to predict who's going to get the carries, who's going to have the big day, who's going to you know get hot and they'll ride. The, it's just going to be so unpredictable. Because you draft all of them in the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> in the barroom draft. All the, don't draft any of my guys, man. 
<laughs> what say you, Johnny said to G31, 3,100 yards, 3,100. That was like the, it was like historical last year, the amount of run, run, rush yards we had. So, I mean, it's going to be hard to duplicate. Now, I'll tell you, if, if other teams are watching the Bears preseason, they're going to shut down the run. If they watch last year's tape, they're going to shut down the run. They're going to contain fields, they're going to force fields to throw. So that's how you beat the Bears, right? That's what mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you, that's what defensive coordinators are thinking right now, because that's what I would do. I mean, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but it seems pretty pretty uh, straightforward to me. You know, we rushed yeah. for 3,000 yards last year. They, uh, if you have trouble finding a man that was passing uh, ability, shut down the run and make him throw. So I, I would it. say under. All right. I like that. Got you down for under. Both of you guys down for under. All right. Let's see what else I got here. I've got the, uh, you know, Jalen Johnson has been talking about turnovers. And in fact, uh, his slot cornerback Kyler Gordon was asked about Jalen Johnson and his focus on getting more turnovers this year because he's only had one uh, he only had one last year a forced fumble that he recovered this is Kyler Gordon talking about Jalen Johnson's emphasis on creating turnovers we always just talk about being the best and what what it takes really to be the best and um I think we can definitely see a lot of differences between last year and this year as far as our chemistry, what we talk about, the information that we're all displaying to each other in the room and how to, uh, you know, work with each other well and, uh, you know, a better level of understanding as far as communication and stuff like that. And, uh, I mean, you can definitely see it a lot uh, if you've been our practice and stuff like that between our whole secondary group. And, uh, you know, he had, he's had a ton of picks and a lot of great plays and uh, during uh, practice and this preseason and stuff like that. So I'm just... He gonna ball out. Our, our whole secondary gonna ball out. Like I'm just excited, yeah. All right. So the question is, turnover six, over or under? He had now zero interceptions last year. He had that one forced fumble and one uh, recovery. I guess that may would count for that would count for one, right? The forced fumble doesn't count as a turnover. So what do you say? Uh, who starts first this time? Tooch. What do you say? Do you think that uh, Jalen Johnson gets over or under on six? I'd love to see it. I tell you, I'm gonna go under. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna throw at the rookie. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's Stevenson is a rookie. He'll pick on him until uh, you know, uh, until he uh, uh, makes teams throw uh, throw the other way. That's I, I mean, I love him. He's a good cornerback, but he's not really a turnover guy. So I'm gonna say under, but I would love to see him get more, especially in the contract year. Mm, interesting, Dan Aguirre. What do you say? I hate to just keep repeating. The same thing that John is saying, but it's just lined up that way. I say less. I, I would like to see Jalen Johnson do enough to get an extension here mm-hmm. yeah. and earn it and not be like Nate Vasher and get the deal and then suddenly just fall off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. But I, I hope that he excels because he's our draft pick. And if we're ever going to win another Super Bowl, it's, you, you got to keep re-signing the guys you drafted, right? That's what the winning teams do. Mm-hmm. But on six... I don't see it. I'm going to say less than. If, if, he, if he uses 33's punch, might get him, you know? Punch. Well, and that's one of the things he's talked about. And he demonstrated yeah. that in the last preseason game when on one replay you saw him punching at the ball trying to create that turnover. So if he could get, you know, three interceptions and three and force three fumbles, man, that would be so huge uh, for yeah. this team. 
All right, got a couple more here. Uh, sacks allowed. We've been talking about this offensive line. What do you think? Are the Bears going to allow over or under 33 sacks of Justin Fields? They allowed 58 last year. So we're asking for a dramatic come, come down. Dan, I'll start with you. I'm going to say less. Less even than 33. Though, even though there's all kinds of drama and – Everyone's confounded on who's going to start. I say everyone that's not in the building. But then again, maybe they are too because they're trying to figure out who's healthy. I just feel like they're, they're going to find a way to protect him a little bit, a little bit better than last year. I mean, that's, I guess that's significantly better. But I just believe the Bears are not as bad as people think overall before the season's over with. And having said that, that comes with protecting Fields or Bajan or whoever the hell else is in there. and hope it's just number one. But I'm going to say – even if it's 30, it's less than 33. So I'm going to say less than. Hmm. All right. What do you say, Tooch? Well, boy, there's – I mean, the injuries along the offensive line would suggest that it'll be over. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Fields' escapability suggests under, you know, and hopefully he's grown another year. But uh, that would be like two sacks a game about really if they uh, – I'm going to say over. Okay. I think the number is pretty sharp. It's probably right around there, although. All right. I um, I hope that a week from now you guys will be in a better mood, <laughs> a little more optimistic. But I certainly cannot uh, dispute. Dan and I just see each other uh, storm clouds now, although. <laughs> The storm cloud graphic. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, I gotta bring my weather girl back. I haven't had her. I'll, I'll, oh, I promise to have the weather report for every Bears game uh, as soon as the regular season begins. <laughs> All right, I want to play for you another couple of sound bites from today's press conferences. There was some pretty cool stuff. This is, um, let's see, this is Robert Tanyan talking about advice that he's given his fellow Division II football player, Tyson Bajent. We actually had a, a good long talk the other day. We were doing like, you know, tubs and sauna together, and he was just kind of asking about, you know, my path and, uh, you know, slightly a journeyman a little bit, I, I would say, for myself. But uh, just kind of giving him that confidence of, you know, anything can happen. You know, preseason is very big, and with the little amount of reps that you get, you kind of have to make a splash, uh, not anything out of the ordinary, but just being consistent with those reps, those minimal reps you get. And obviously that was that worked out for him because when he was in there for a little bit, he was making plays and then he got more opportunities in those preseason games. And then you see him leading, uh, you know, the <coughs> offense down and scoring, you know, in the indie game and then um, here at home. So, uh yeah, he's a good kid. He's, he's a gamer. What's, what's good about him, he, he – was from a D2 school and he played a lot of football. Um, it's not like a guy who is just, you know, starting like a handful of games in Division One and then getting drafted. You know, he played, you know, a lot of games, had a lot of success. So he has a lot of football under his belt. The other day we were doing like, you know, tubs and sauna together. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm a sucker for any new Bears quarterback, and Tyson Bajan really is starting to intrigue me a lot just simply because uh, I'm worried about Justin. I'm worried after him missing that wide-open 
uh, slot receiver downfield. I don't want to see that anymore. Uh, Toot, you got yeah. some thoughts on Tyson Bajan? Man, uh, like I said before, it, it's a uh, uh, how would I believe the, the uh, t- I, I don't know whether I believe it that Bajan will be the whole guy the whole season. You know, who knows what polls is thinking? I mean, quarterbacks are getting cut like Will Greer and uh, uh, Bailey Zappi, and who knows the poll polls now get favor of the month. Right now, I love it. You know, I mean, uh, the kid's uh, is smart. You know, I mean, I. Another thing uh, in the back of my head is like, what if he processes better than and sees the open guys better than Justin Fields? You know, yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, maybe maybe he just understands the game a little bit better. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, you have to you have to stick with uh, with with Fields. I mean, there's nothing nothing you can do. You know, uh, we're invested in him for uh, for the foreseeable future. You know, and, uh, uh, Justin Fields, by all accounts, he's a super hard worker. You know, he loves the game. He loves being a bear. You, you know, it's everything you want. Just we, we just want have to see that. You have to see that step in the passing game, man. That's the whole mm-hmm. key to the whole season. The linchpin, <laughs> the, the keystone, you know, whatever. It has to take that step. You know? I agree. Dan Aguirre, you know, you, you're always uh, talk so highly about young players and prospects and so forth, but I really haven't heard you talk highly about Bajant. Are you in the Bajant? Uh, I hope Bajant's going to be a great player kind of camp. Of course, I hope. He, if he's a bear, I want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying in yet. I mean, again, if for some reason, if something terrible happens and he's playing, I'm going to be cheering my ass off for him. But, again, I, I the, spec, the, the specter of Caleb Haney or somebody like that just shines brightly over him right now to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I am just, and I, the fact that some people are like saying he's better than Fields right now, like I just, I repudiate that. I don't see any way that this kid could be better for the Bears right now. I agree. Than Justin Fields is. That, that wasn't what I was saying. You know, I'm just saying like, no, what, no, if, I know. what you if, were, if in the future he, he does process yeah, yeah. the ball better, you know? I don't know. I didn't mean to imply that you were one of those. I, I apologize. No, I wasn't I, grouping you in the, there the, are people the, on Twitter right now that think so. The chat room is, they're like, it's ridiculous. That's not what I'm saying, man. I'm just saying uh, we haven't even seen Bajit throw downfield yet. And, you know, defenses are, are vanilla schemes and offenses were vanilla schemes. But, I mean, there, there's uh, there's flashes enough to work. And then, you know, the field isn't that open guy and just run it, tucking it and running. You know, that's enough to give you a little concern. That's why we're all here tonight, you know, uh, among the storm clouds. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Uh, here's another one I want to play. This is Robert Tanyan talking about, you know, today was cut day, and so things are pretty somber around Hallisall. And uh, Tyson was, excuse me, not Tyson, Robert Tanyan was asked uh, about what he recalls regarding cut day when he was a young player in the league. It was like another player who got cut, and then uh, he used, like, the same text and copied and pasted and sent it to me. I literally went into the office and handed in my iPad, and then everyone was, like, excited to see me, and I was super confused. What did you say to someone? No, I didn't say anything. This was, yeah, 2018. Yeah, 2018. I had a really good preseason, and, like, I like they basically told me, like, I was on the team. So I was, like, cool. And then, like, I'm at home, like, playing video games with my buddy, and all of a sudden, like, I get that text, and, I literally drove like so mad to the building, like handed in my iPad. Then my tight ends coach and the GM are like super excited to see me. I was like, this is weird. 
But yeah, so that's what happened. I made a mistake there on the uh, lower third super. He was a Packer then. It was a Packer that played a prank on him in 2018. He he first was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Lions, and they cut him before the season started. And then the following year, he uh, signed down with the Packers and played pretty well for them. Hopefully, he will play even better as a Bear. That um, terrible organization up there. Well, they fucking, fucking assholes. Yeah, fuck them. Who who sent the text? Was it a player, a coach, or player? He said it was a player, a fellow player. Okay. <laughs> so they were just pranking him. It's probably Rogers. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, but you, but we were talking about exhibition games and how poorly they've looked. The the one thing that you can't deny because yeah, it, it's less about scheming to win. You know, you you've got that going against you, but when the pass hits you in your hands, Robert Tanya, and you drop it. That's what worries us, you know. And so it doesn't take, you know, playing alongside the rest of the starters or, or whatever. Execute the fucking play and execute it precisely. That's one, one of the things that Eberflus has started as a theme in his press conferences is what they are looking for is precision. And when they re- – uh, record all of these practices. They want every play to be precise the way it's drawn up, and that includes catching the ball. <laughs> so, come on, Robert, don't. Uh... Can, can, who's Kenny, man? He's really giving us the shots. He wants Aldo dead. He says <laughs> if we return against fucking fields, it's like it's not true, Kenny. He's got a couple of drinks in him. He said. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, uh, time to quit. For yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> but it is cool how Beijing gets rid of that ball, that quick release that he has. As STC says, he's throwing darts. Uh, it is nice to see. And as I put up on Twitter, and a lot of people liked it and retweeted it, is you know, it's in my lifetime, I don't remember there ever being a time when a backup rookie quarterback, when a rookie quarterback won the backup job. Um, it was always got it. You know, we're paying the veteran, you know, and so you know we got to save that salary and stuff. Uh, and and Flus was asked does about Kyle, that. Kyle Orton count, or it wasn't Kyle, he? No, he was, he was a starter as a rookie. Well, I know, right. but I mean, uh, he wasn't. He wasn't going to be the starter. He was forced forced to be the starter because of injury, right? But he was. The point is, Rex got hurt, and he was the backup because yeah. they cut the, Hutchinson. He made, he made the backup, you know, as a rookie. Right. And then actually made starter too and played okay. Yeah, know? I don't remember who he beat out that year. That's that's a good Chad thought. Hutchinson. Yeah. Chad Hutchinson. Okay, Hutchinson well, cut. He had a terrible final preseason game. They right. cut Chad and started KO, and then Jeff Blake was the backup and kept the fourth round Kyle Orton right because he was drafted right. in the fourth. If I remember correctly. Yep. yep. Well, this was Eberflus today asked about you know cutting players like PJ Walker when he had signed a two million dollar guaranteed contract. Yeah, I mean we say that all the time. Right. You know, and I think that that just shows that it's true um, because, you know, we're going to play you know the best guys uh, that we feel are going to help our team. And we're going to make decisions that are best that, are, that we feel are best at the time uh, for the Chicago Bears. And uh, and I think we held true to that. And uh, we're going to try to do that most times. And sometimes you're not able to do that at times. But uh, at this time we were. So it was worked out. You say that a lot of coaches say that, not a lot of coaches follow through on it. The actual action does send a message. Yeah, we try to be very mindful with all our actions. 
um, and how we communicate with our players, how we talk to them, how we coach them, uh, how we how we visit with them about how Ryan and myself visit with those guys. Uh, you know, Ryan, of course, first with the contracts. Um, and be very upfront and honest with those guys. And like I said, put everything on the table and be just go eye to eye and tell them where it is. And uh, and it's it's good when you can do that. Um, we do that uh, most of the time. So proud of this team that they made that decision that they said fuck the salary. This this guy looks better. He's responding well at OTAs and in classroom and so forth. Let's see what we got now. Who knows? Maybe they'll pick up a veteran tomorrow, um, and throw away another two million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I say, I say, give Bajan the number two job and don't look back. Put Nathan Peterman on the on the fifty three and not have him active. Have him active as a third quarterback. You know, let's let's. Let's try this. Let's uh, fucking try it. How many times did we say, you know, the uh, the Bears were, you know, too cheap to get rid of guys, you know, with mm-hmm. big contracts and stuff to do, you know, what was, yep. you know, 100 proof. We'd always talk about that, you know. Absolutely. All the time. All the time. Aldo, yes, on sir. winning time this week, uh, the way that. Best episode so far. Really good, past, right? Past week. So good. The way that Paul Westhead is portrayed in terms of, like, I'm the, I'm in control here. I'm the coach, and I have to be in control. And, like, no one really respects him. And it's just like everyone knows that he's not the guy. Isn't that Matt Nagy? Yes. Yes. I'm the coach here. I'm the bald fuck. I'm, I'm the one who – I was coach of the year. Westhead's like, I won the NBA championship. But it's like I was co- – like the whole episode, I kept drawing parallels with Matt Nagy in my head. I mm-hmm. love when he had uh, he had dinner with uh, his old partner, McKinney, you know, and they're, they're at some hamburger joints. You know? He's like, <laughs> I'm going to expose you. It's like just a little bit at a time, you know. It's like, and then he's like, "What should I have? I have some chicken. You want to split some chicken wings?" <laughs> it was just a great scene, man. That was a great scene. Uh, I mean, that show really is so uh, fucking man. fantastic. So my favorite I, show on TV right now. Yeah, same here. I urge everyone who is a sports fan or yeah. just likes good drama to give uh, Winning Time on HBO a shot. You would now have, if you haven't watched season one, that was, what, 10 episodes? And they've got eight or seven this year. So you'll have 17 episodes of really good acting, really good storytelling. Um, and season two is probably, I love season one, but I would have to say season two is probably better just because, as Jeff Perlman told us, they're sticking to reality a little bit more. It's There's not as much exaggeration or the messing with some of the real stories. So, um we will, uh, we, what, two more episodes, Dan, or three? Three. You know, three. Uh, yeah, because they, they're going to finish with the 84 finals, so they've got – they're going to win the title in 82 against Philly. Mm-hmm. Philly's going to get Moses from the Rockets and sweep them, though, with Dr. J and Moses in 83. And then we know 84 is how it's going to end, or at least maybe, maybe game seven and they leave us with a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Or something. So they've got to get through two more seasons in the next two episodes just to yeah. get to 84. Yeah. Praying for a season three. So everybody, TTNL in the house. Uh, watch uh, Winning Time, Jay Sanders, Renewable, yeah. Cliff, Eric, all you guys. I, w- I want you guys reporting here next that week. so good. The actors are so good. Man, the guy that plays Magic is so good, man. 
So yeah. good. And the, and the guy that plays Bird is awesome, too. And Kareem, man. The, oh. cast, the cast is so good. Yeah. It's just it's the best cast I've seen in a long time. I love it, man. Yeah. Uh, John C. Riley and Adrian Brody, both the Jasons, Siegel and Clark, are so good, man. Yeah, I forget the it? other guy who plays Bill. Uh, uh, Bill Sharman. Uh, yeah, the, the the partner of Jerry West. Uh, the actor's yeah. like been in a ton of movies. I just yeah. character actor. I can't remember his name, but he's awesome too. He's excellent. He really is. Uh, Jason off. Siegel. This this last episode, Jason Siegel acted his ass off. It was mm-hmm. so good, man. Yeah. West had going crazy. He was like, it was like, do you know what Cortez did when he, when he landed and saw the Aztecs? Whatever you know. It's, it's your brother's like, no, what did he do? You know? Almond tree bears its fruit in silence. The reporters are like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and early on in season one could be viewed as a sympathetic figure. Yeah. He's like trying to sure. rally the group and he wasn't, he's given yep. a job that he knows he's not prepared for. And how do I salvage it and not let everybody down? But suddenly he's got this massive like ego that stems from lack of confidence somehow to compensate. And now he's like every asshole that you dislike that you worked with at whatever job that, you know, doesn't, doesn't deserve where he's at. He's so he's related to somebody or whatever. So now he's almost a villain. So I'm glad to see him get fired next week. Mm. So uh, TTNL uh, in the chat room. So I want you guys to guess who who could be masquerading as TTNL because I got a pretty good feeling I I know who uh, it is. What's what's the guy that's all, all retro? It's retro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got to be retro. <laughs> Expose yourself, retro. Expose yourself. <laughs> right. Uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. What else? What What else have you seen, Dan? That you like besides uh, Winning Time? That's about all I've watched. Um, I've I haven't had a lot of time to watch TV other than the Bears and and Winning Time. I've been doing a lot of overtimes. Uh, to try to pay for some Chicago stuff coming up, you know, Ubers and things. Uh, I did rewatch a movie I haven't seen in a long. I know you've seen it, uh, but I hadn't watched it in a really long time. It was on TCM recently. I rewatched Escape from New York. Oh, I, I saw it too. My, I watched that with my wife recently too. She yeah, never saw, I saw it, it two yeah. nights ago. It was beautiful. Yeah, I watched it like a month ago. Yeah, I was reading that Carpenter felt. He said that Escape from New York or Escape from LA was better, and I just wholeheartedly oh, disagree. No yeah, no way. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. That movie, uh, the Snake Plissken character is one of the best characters, you know, as anti hero type characters yeah. of that era. Just Kurt Russell is so fucking cool as Snake Plissken. Yeah. It is fantastic. Adrian Barbeau. Every time she her. appears on the screen and her titties are jiggling and that push-up oh. bra, it's just yeah. amazing. That's John and, Carpenter's wife. Exactly. Yeah. And God bless you, John Carpenter. I think they're divorced now. <laughs> oh, so, they got yeah. divorced. That's when she stopped getting roles, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. 
Cliff, I, I'm with you, man. It's a movie to watch over and over and over. And I, so the other night it was on TCM and I said, you know what? This might be fun to watch again. I haven't watched it in 15, 20 years. And it just was so good. Now, I do believe that the last third is not as quite as good as the build up and so forth. But nonetheless, it's it's still fantastic. You know, yeah, you got uh, Donald Pleasance as the president. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I like good. that, too. Isaac Hayes, right? Yeah, Isaac Hayes. That's the dude. Right? <laughs> That's the dude. Harry right. Dean Stanton was Brain. Yeah. The late uh, late uh, Ernest Borgman was Cabby. Yeah. That That's great. why they were. That's why TCM was running it because they were running an Ernest Borgnine uh, marathon. They do in the month of August. They pick a movie star, and for 24 hours they run uh, their movies. And so Borgnine, that was I think the last role that he did before he passed away. So yeah. he was pretty good in it. So it was good. Was it 81 was Escape from New York, 1981, I think. Uh, that sounds right. Maybe 82, but uh, this is like Kurt Russell coming off of doing Disney movies, you know, where mm-hmm. he was uh, uh, in a whole wholesome movie roles that he goes, he goes and does used cars. It's another fucking hilarious movie if you ever saw used cars. Awesome. <laughs> hilarious. Jack, yes. Jack, Jack Warden and Kurt Russell. Yes. So Dan, you ever seen Used Cars, the movie Used Cars with Kurt I Russell? I have not, actually. Oh, I, I wanted to praise the Carpenter in his early films, whether it be Escape from New York, Halloween, The Fog, The Thing. Yeah. They always had a great score. He was so good at the score. Yep. Like, that's yeah, what he, made Halloween. He wrote a lot of the score. music himself. I know. But his original compositions. I just, Escape from New York, when... Things start to pick up whenever you start to see Isaac Hayes. He has like this uh-huh. drum beat that starts coming in, and mm-hmm. it just it fits so well. Like that's what I thought watching it was like. Man, Escape from L.A. had a good soundtrack, like music wise, but the score of Escape from New York is a hundred to one over the score from later on. Like his work early on, his scores were just phenomenal. Yeah, really good. Yeah, that was what, the early '80s movies were like that kind of period. Mm-hmm. There were some great. Like first you had these like post-apocalyptic type movies like Escape from New York and The Road Warrior, you know, who have that kind of like, you know, that was just starting that kind of stuff, you know, the genre, the beginning of the genre. Then you had some great ca- uh, comedies like Used Cars and Caddyshack, Meatballs. Mm-hmm. You know, you had some, some great uh, comedies then, you know, we, just had, we haven't done good movies like that in a long time, you know? Yeah. What about Big Trouble in Little China, Dan? That 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 strikes me. I was gonna say. Dan, I don't think Dan would like that though. That's it? what I was just gonna say. Yeah, I saw that on HBO a lot back in the late '80s, early '90s. When I was a kid, I liked it fine. Yeah. I haven't watched it since like Bush one was president, so I don't know. <laughs> I love it, man. It's just a, a B movie, you know, a fantasy. You know, it's yeah. great. Kurt Russell's I, hilarious in it. He's wearing those uh, suede fringe boots the whole movie. Yep. <laughs> I took my, when my daughter was, you know, five or six years old, I took her to see the movie, she and I. And to this day, she always talks about how much she enjoyed that movie. She's got a yeah. poster of the movie. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a great film to watch with a kid and uh, just a great, great film overall. Good stuff. Uh, Tooch, what have you seen that you want to share with the audience? Whew, man, I got to think. Uh, what have I been watching? Uh, let's see. Well, I started, I, I like mysteries, although, you know, uh, I, I like those Harlan Coben mysteries. I was watching, uh, 
he's got that one that I've been watching that was uh, 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 the kids, the high school kids. Uh, uh, I think it's called Shelter. Shelter. Yeah. That's really good. So I was like, uh, you know, that one comes out, you know, uh, usually usually those Harlan Coben ones are on Netflix. This one's on Amazon Prime, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it's serialized. So I've got to wait until the next one comes out. But that mystery is actually really good. And uh, uh, the... Uh, you know, Dana, I think Adrian Barbeau is in Shelter as the grandma. I, 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 could, I can't remember. I think she's the grandma in, in Shelter. But I, I, yeah, she is. She's the grandma uh, in Shelter on Amazon Prime. Okay. Can you find so, us a picture? Aldo maybe can yeah, find it. Adrian ahead. Barbeau in Shelter. She's, she's almost 80 years old, I think, 70s, late 70s, mid to late yeah. 70s. Uh, and then, do you want to uh, see? Do you want to see her nude at eighty years old? Uh, <laughs> no. uh, sure. And, and then there's another one on Netflix called Mikel Welch. I would have. Which is also <laughs> right. a really good mystery. He did that once. Uh, Harlan Coben did that one safe with the guy from Dexter. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. It was in England too. The, the yes. mystery. With the oh, I hated that. I hated. Oh, that. Was good man. <laughs> I loved it. I Where it he great. had the British accent. I thought yeah, that was awful. <laughs> I thought that was atrocious. That, well, that was. I, I love mysteries, but uh, when it all comes together and stuff, there's all these, you know, both these movies have like a bunch of like fringe plots that are all kind of like interrelated and then they come together, you know. But that, yeah, that's uh, both like. I, I loved that show, but yes, the, the accent by what's his name was awful, man. Yeah. 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 I loved him on Six Feet Under and Dexter, mm-hmm. and I like Dexter New Blood. Uh, that British show, I, I just loathe. Oh, what's I hate his name? It. It's Michael something. Michael, Michael C. Riley, maybe? Michael, no, no. Michael, Michael C. Michael, Hall? Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Yeah, Michael C. Hall. Yep. Yeah. Is that her? Yeah. Uh, is, that, is this uh, from uh, Shelter? It didn't say what show it was, no? but that's okay. what I put it in I Google. Look it up on my phone. I'm pretty sure she plays the grandma. Yeah, I would still have dirty fornication with this lady. <laughs> She'd want you want her to wear that dress though, right? I you know, just don't smell bad. That's all. <laughs> she she looks so good in the 80s. I loved her in Creep Show. Yeah. When she's the drunk that uh Hal Holbrook wants the monster to eat her. Mm-hmm. Sure. And she's like, I, I couldn't do it without you. I'm Billy. She's the drunk, and he finally gets the fucking monster under the stairs to eat her. Yes. I thought she was so hot in that, though. Like, I, I don't know why. And then, like you said, in Escape from New York, every scene, she's like, hey, by the way, these are my fucking mammary glands. Take a look. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. She was she, she's, in, she's in Shelter. <laughs> I was right. Okay. She plays. She uh, was Ellen. naked in Swamp Thing. Grandma. Was she totally and naked? She showed her breast. And okay. she's in a really horrible, horrible movie with Bill Maher cannibal women of whatever the fuck from like 89 but she i yep. think she showed her tits in that too oh I the, bill maher is so bad in it i mean it's unbelievable like bill maher so bad in it you would think that his performance in house two is like <laughs> the next story is worthy of an oscar compared to what he does in that cannibal movie I agree with Leo Factor here. I, I mean, Megan Fox is attractive, but I don't understand. You know, she's just okay. I don't know what it is about her. She's beautiful eyes and stuff, but I don't know. You guys, Megan Fox fans? 
She's hot, man. She's doing that I drink blood thing the way Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton did circa 2002, mm -hmm. where she's like trying to be so edgy because they drink blood. You know, I mean, that shit could give you hepatitis. Let's just be honest. <laughs> That's right. Man, I'm still waiting for Billy Bob Thornton to release the director's cut of all the pretty horses so I could get the full. You know, mm -hmm. they, the studio cut it from like three and a half hours down to like two hours and two and a half hours. Something mm -hmm. like that. It's like an hour of missing footage. It was beautiful filmed. If I were um, Billy Bob Thornton, I would have drunk Angelina Jolie's blood too. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> of course you would have. Uh, no, no, her menstrual that. blood to start it. To start with. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she was in the Sons of Anarchy. I didn't know that. I, I didn't that know that. I, I didn't watch that show though. I knew Manson State had a role. What are you gonna say, Tooch? I thought that was Katie Sagal who was in Sons of Anarchy, right? She is. Okay. I, I'm just assuming she was also. Okay. Or, or Mr. Mam. Anyway. Um, okay. I, I did see something that might be of interest to you guys. It's called uh, How I Live Now. Have you guys heard of it? It's about 10 years I old. Heard about it. And it's with, uh, Ser I don't know how to pronounce the name, Sarisi Ronan, the. Uh, oh. She's American Irish. Uh, was raised in Ireland, but she was born in America. She's, she's got that beautiful, thick Irish accent, and it's it's a love story set among the apocalypse. She plays an unruly teenager who uh, is going to spend the summer at her aunt's house, and her aunt has three kids, and uh, she doesn't want to be there. She treats them in a disrespectful manner. Concurrently, there is a uh, some global incident between the superpowers, the country superpowers, and so people are concerned that there might be a war breakout. Well, um, just before that war breaks out, she falls in love with one of the one of the three kids at at this house, and the rest of the story is about their journey through the apocalypse and trying to find themselves when they're separated and so forth. It's not a bad movie. I would give it a six or seven out of 10 stars or three out of four or whatever like that. So if you're ever looking for something and it just happens to pop up, how I live now, especially if you're into science fiction might be worth your, uh, worth your 99 minutes. I think that's the running time. Are you all caught up on winning time too, Aldo? I am. I am. It is uh, appointment viewing for me every Sunday night, and I can't wait to do a rewatch on the series. Uh, that and Silo are two series that uh, I yeah. just recently finished Silo. I want to do a rewatch on that. And then winning it's time. It's that we can't talk about Silo about that ending of season one, you know? Yeah. It's like Maybe. I want to talk about it so bad, but we just can't. We'll spoil it for everybody. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. Watch Kate, this shit. <laughs> I mentioned Hal Holbrook. Yeah. I watched a half a movie with him because I like him. It it's was good. one of the worst films I've ever seen. I had to stop it. <laughs> what was it? It was he was in a horror film, not creep show, but in 76 called Rituals. Yeah, yeah that's the one I talked about. Remember? With the, it's like deliverance. It's terrible. I had to stop it. <laughs> Yeah, it, oh, it's it was horrible. So bad. But I, I was like, I didn't even know this film existed. You know, that was what when I talked about it. I don't know what was it like months ago. 
six months ago. I talked to like, Aldo, have you ever heard something? It's like yeah, 1978 or 76, somewhere around there. 77. It was bad. It was it's so like bad. cannibals and stuff, right? It was, uh, and it's basically deliverance with a bunch of like rich guys out on a little like fishing trip or hunting trip, whatever it is they're fucking doing out there. And like mm-hmm. Hal Holbrook's like the action star, which is like totally unbelievable because, you know, He's Hal Holbrook. But speaking of <laughs> Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau was the girl that he in Creep Show that I just mentioned his that. wife. Yeah, his yeah. wife in Creep Show is like Billy. You yeah. know, Billy, take a look at the crate, Billy. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. He he fed his wife to the monster. Yeah. Um <laughs> season nine of Suits is where Cliff Victoria is at. Uh, I've never seen the series. Yeah, neither uh, have I. It's on Netflix now though. Right. Wasn't that like a TNT or TBS type show and, and now it's on Netflix suits. You ever heard of it, Dan? No. Yeah. I, I think it's about lawyers and stuff. See, I, I have a thing now about shows that are made for the broadcast networks and for TNT, TBS and so forth. When you watch Netflix, you know, series that are produced in HBO and Showtime that are produced for adults, these, uh, these, series that have that you know play it too safe it, it just doesn't feel right to me it's watered down bullshit there you go well said better said than i did it's like it's like john john shoop's 2001 offense you know? <laughs> exactly cliff says it's like la law um so i don't I know heard it was I, good i haven't watched it oh yeah I, that's Weird that it hasn't been on rerun with all the TV stations that are out yeah. there. There must there must be something it, expensive it, going it on. It just came on Netflix. Oh really? Like within, within the last month they bought the rights to it, and they're now it's oh. like it was like a big news story because I don't know mm-hmm. people were really happy that they picked fans of the show were really happy that they picked it up in syndication. Mm-hmm. But, but for me, pound to pound, uh, uh, every episode is good. I don't and I, I know neither of you guys watch the show, but Outlander is so freaking good. Although you and your wife should watch it together, because yeah. my, my wife and I watch it together. You it's so good, man. The stories are so good. You know the okay. characters are so good. The acting is so good. The stories mm-hmm. are great. Uh, but uh, I mean, it has a lot of great things. We're just like, oh no, you know, and stuff like that. You really get into it. It's it's uh, every episode is good. There's not a bad episode. There's been seven seasons. You know, we'll uh, definitely check it out. Um, all right, we are about 10 minutes from the close. I'm going to start yeah. asking for final comments now so that I can get out of here and in bed by 1035. <laughs> so uh, I'll start with you, Dan. Any final thoughts on this huge day with roster cutdowns or anything going on in your life that you want to share? Uh, the floor is yours. Just I remain pensive but hopeful for the bear season. Again, I'm not – I don't want anybody to think, ah, he's so negative. And like this, that's not what I'm trying to put out into the world. It's anxiety about what I'm saying, but that does not mean like I'm thinking, ah, they're going to be three and 14 now. And and that does it. There's nothing else we can do. (laughs) Now, this isn't my sex life. This is the bears. (laughs) But with the bears. It's just as heavy though. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like I, maybe next week I'll just be on the, the bandwagon and, hopeful and like fuck the Packers and but right now I'm just really worried maybe in the next day or two the roster will take some you know shape because maybe we pick up another two people or something and and then that restores like just blind hope 
right now, I just, I have nervous optimism. That's not to say I, I don't think we can't, I'm not saying the Bears aren't going to beat Green Bay. It's just, I, I'm, I'm scared. So I, I'm not confident in it, but I think it's like 50-50, but I'm there, you know, I'm going to be there, I, you know. And go Bears, for God's sakes, I think, can we just get one of these? And that's what's on my mind. And more than anything, like, I've, yeah, of course, I, I could come on here and bitch about 39 things in my personal life. But this right here, even over money and stuff, supersedes that right now. Like, just get a win because when the Bears can get a win, you could be going through so much shit in your life. You could be Aldo with open wounds and an arm you can't raise right now. But by God, if you beat Green Bay, that's going to make that pain feel just a tinge bit better oh, without yeah. weed. Indeed. <laughs> Dude, what do you got for me? <laughs> Matt, I, I, I'm right with Dan. I'm, I'm right there with you, Danny. I I, I share. I, I'm I'm a little bit angst filled. Like after that first preseason game, I'm like, yes, we're going to be fucking good this year. And you know, kind of like shifted down. So I was brought back down to reality because, like I said, I was greedy. You know, like Fields had two long touchdown passes and stuff. You know, people were scared of him scrambling and whatnot. You know, and uh, uh, now it's like the offensive line has the injuries. You know, uh, pass rushers have the injuries. Now, those are two positions that, aside from Darnell Wright, they ignored in this draft. Edge rusher and offensive line, they just grabbed Darnell Wright. Mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, that, that has – it looks like it's kind of come back to, you know, bite him a little bit. And I don't know uh, – uh, I don't know whether they thought they are being clever and they can maybe sign free agents or sign guys who are cut now, but – uh, they should have at least invested a pick or two in the last draft uh, on on those uh, you know a little, an extra offensive lineman at least one edge rusher. I mean, we were we were clamming for edge rusher during the draft shows, you mm -hmm. know, and they didn't grab one. You know, they grabbed three defensive tackles, but they didn't grab an edge rusher. And we, I, I think, we could have got one. Uh, so yeah, the pro problem is, uh, John, as you know, they're wasn't anyone that was graded higher than the defensive yeah. tackles. I don't think they went into yep. the draft and said, listen, you know, let's make sure we get, grab two defensive yep. tackles. If they're really doing what they say they well, do, they which, three. Is, which is put together their board and then yep. pick, pick based on player evaluations, then it is what it is. And it's like yep. he pulls us said all along, we're not going to fix everything in one draft. So it's, yep. it's going to take a while. Uh, you just yep. can't pick a player for the sake of picking a player. Well, they threw three, three, three free agents at the position, you know, with mm -hmm. Walker and Gakwe and, and Green, uh, mm -hmm. hoping that it would, uh, uh, you know, do something. And, and even, I guess you could say, Lewis, Terrell Lewis as well, yeah. too. They're throwing, uh, you know, four free agents at it. So, but the next few days will be interesting. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it's it's uh, uh, it's exciting to think about. Maybe they'll they'll pick up somebody to help with those areas, whether it's pass rusher or uh, offensive line. I mean, we, we just grabbed. Uh, we, so, so I got to ask you this: We picked up Feeney. Uh, is he a guy you think would have been cut? We could, we have number one Raver priority. Could we have grabbed him? Obviously, Poles didn't think, you know, uh, he was going to be cut. So he, you know, he threw a six round pick at the Dolphins. And I mean, I'm glad he did, but I'm wondering if you guys think whether Feeney, Feeney might have gotten cut and shaken loose. We got, we had the number one priority. We could just claim him, uh, uh, on waivers. What do you think, Dan? I like the trade. 
I do too. Period. Yeah, I'm not complaining. I like the trade, like the mullet, like the porn stash. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's going to be fun in the in the tubs and saunas. You know, guys. And Kramer made it too, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, he did. Yep. All right. So we've got, in theory, what four guys that can snap in a pinch. All right. Exactly. Yep. This is somebody put up on uh, Twitter uh, his last preseason preseason game. Feeney. This was put up by uh, at I'm bearing down. Every one of the snaps is up on Twitter, and yeah. I got to tell you, I've seen this a couple of times already. The guy yeah. looks really good, at least in this preseason yeah. game against the yeah, seconds or thirds, whatever. He is sticking to his blocks. Yep. Nobody is getting past number sixty-seven, and on yep. run blocking, he he, it, he he's sticky. And uh, yep. when he has to get out to the second level, it's not as, as quick as maybe, you know, Braxton Jones or some of the other very athletic offensive linemen the Bears have, but he's he's okay. He's, he's not bad at all. So I don't think that's just a bad move at all. And, and no. the fact is that, you know, it's those high draft picks. It's the ones and twos and threes. Those are the ones you want to be reluctant to trade away. And to trade away a six-rounder for a guy with this experience and this much versatility, left guard, uh, 60% of snaps, uh 25% at center and the rest at right guard. That's not a bad investment. Yeah. I know. I, I'm not saying I'm just, I was just posing the question, but I'm, I'm glad oh, he went and got good question. He, he really had no choice basically, mm -hmm. you know, with injuries. Right. I think that the feeling was, is that there might be some other team that would have jumped ahead of them in a, in a, in the, tr in a trade for, because offensive linemen are so, desperately needed by so many teams so he probably made you know he probably felt like some other team might might uh, beat them to the trade and, and so i think it was a, a good yeah. aggressive move I, I put it up there with dropping pj walker and and yep. eating the salary yep. it is what it is aldo before we go tell us what you think about fields right now i know you didn't give us your opinion <laughs> yeah. on the the questions yep. at the time yeah i am a little I, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried, but I do think I'm going to stick with my guns that I said two, three months ago. I think he is going to pass for about 3,800 yards. I think this team is going to win uh, into the uh, 12 or 13 or 14 wins. I think that there's a very good chance that this team could surprise us um, and get out to a quick start in the regular season and, and have some meaningful wins in the midseason and end strong. Uh, that's a fan talking. You know, if you want me to, to take on the role of an analyst, well, of course, they're going to win six, seven games. <laughs> but as an, I prefer to be a fan right now. This is the time of year. I want to be a fan. I'll start uh, talking more rationally <laughs> after we've lost three or five games or something like that. So that's uh, where I'm at. I, I still think we're thin at offensive tackle. Unless mm -hmm. you think Tyree Carter can play some tackle, I don't know. No, nah, he's a guard. He's an interior offensive yep. lineman only, and uh, maybe, I think there was. Maybe some... they think Tevin Jenkins would play some tackle if he had to as the fourth tackle. 
if he had to, yeah, it's you know I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, they make another move for an offensive tackle. We'll see what happens tomorrow. It's going to be a big day. Yeah. And speaking of tomorrow, it's going to be uh, Gabriel talks football at three p.m. Ryan Poles is talking to the media at two, so we're going to go on immediately after, not immediately after, but a few minutes after Ryan Poles' press conference, and then Mac and Reed are going to uh, evaluate the roster at 6 p.m. and then the season premiere at 7 30 p.m. Central oh, John Buffon yeah. back. And it's a totally revamped show. Danny Shimon is now a part of the show. I will be strictly back screen and doing some video roll-ins, some reporting on oh. the opposition. So it's a revamped show with Alyssa Barbieri coming back for her fourth season, John's mm-hmm. seventh season, and Danny Shimon's first season with Buffon 55. So that'll be at 7 30 Central. Hope you can join us live. And if you can't yeah. on demand, just like this show is on demand, so let people know about what we're doing here on the Barroom Network. If you like us, if you don't like us, then keep your mouth shut, please. Mm. <laughs> Dan Aguirre, I love you. I got uh, some scripts for you that I'll send you maybe tomorrow. Some some Barroom stuff. Uh, Tooch, tell us about yeah. the weekend sports betting tips real quick. Yeah, Friday nights. Uh, I, I think Sean Sean's kid plays football down in Houston, so I think Thursdays he's watching his kid play on like freshman or sophomore team in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we usually do uh, Fridays, like right. around seven, seven central. Uh, last mm-hmm. week I gave out two winners, man, two easy bets too. It was like the uh, Ohio uh, uh, versus San Diego state under 48 that mm-hmm. finished with 34 points. And then uh, San Jose state over 16 and a half points team total. They had, they had like 27 points. So yeah. Let me, uh, please. A piece of advice for you. Um, when you announced that you had two winners, don't look so surprised. Don't sound look so <laughs> surprised. He goes, I had two winners. <laughs> well, it, it's week zero, you know, college football. You don't know anything, you know, about the teams. I, but, yeah, it was uh, – I mean, I it. these teams are like – like the opposite happened in a bunch of other games. So but, I'm just uh, thinking about promos. I want to cut together a promo, and there's Johnson. I had two winners last week. Yeah. Two free winners, man. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, uh, I love you. Uh, let's get out of here, everybody. Uh, have a uh, good day at work. Good night at work, I should say. Yep. Saving some lives. Tooch, uh, I know you're as busy as ever oh, at your my. job. Yep. And to my wife, uh, who just celebrated her 60th birthday this past weekend, I love you. We'll uh, talk to you all later. Goodbye, everybody.